What up, everybody? We're back to the um. Oh gosh. Sorry <laughs> about that? that. You partying over there? No, I'm not partying. I basically have my phone on on silent mode, but I have the screen up for like our our podcast to watch uh -huh. live so I can look oh, at the comments. Oh, is that an ad? And uh, yeah, just an ad popped up. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. We always gotta have some kind of intro like this. We it's should not, get it's we should get paid legit. double for that. We should get paid double for that. Twice the ads. But YouTube, YouTube pays us. Hold on, we gotta figure this out later. No, I'm just... they, they gave us like five cents an episode. It's it's okay. Okay. Oh man. All right. So more ads, YouTube. Let's go. We're not there yet. What's up, everybody? Welcome. We're not there yet. No. Episode one hundred and seven with a very special guest, Jan Welch and Austin. It's been a while since we've done this on Zoom. You and I have both been, or not? It's not Zoom. It's uh on the eCam. But yeah, it's been a while since we've done this because. You've been very busy. I've been very busy. We've been doing all kinds of You were in New York too, so we had some in person. Yeah, that was cool. It was cool to go back to New York and do some in person. And we got the Blade Cup coming up. Yep. I'm coming so, over there. I'm over here. Should be... Man, I love it when you're over here. It's so fun. I'm coming over there. Save space for me. You know what we do every time you come over here? It's in and out We oh, got to get some burritos, man. You know? <laughs> We, we, we got like a routine when you come to town. Every now and then, you, you, Matt, uh, Adam will take you down to Mastro's. Where he's already talking about that. We got I got to play with Bella, the puppy. I got to see yeah, all the of pups. <laughs> of course. But yeah, it's uh, it's it's going to be cool to have you down and uh, get some of those podcasts going. But um, everyone, stay tuned everyone for thank those. you. Yeah, stay tuned for those. Thank you. I don't mean to. We still got to get back into our rhythm of doing this on the uh, on this on this way. But let's go. Spiel I'll start up. I was about to say, I'll start it off with a classic, a classic spiel. Uh, please, if you don't already, um, you probably do. But if you don't, please follow us on all of our social media platforms. Go to our Instagram. Give us a follow. We have a Facebook. You can go there. Give us a like. We have a YouTube. You can hit the subscribe button and the notification bell. So when we have an episode, you get an alert on your phone. Stop what you're doing if you want. If you have some free time, join us in the episode. We appreciate if you comment, share the video. All these interactions really help boost ourselves up to the top of the algorithm and really bring blading, as my boy Miguel would say, to the top. To the top. And then we got <laughs> to the top. <laughs> and we got um the you know we got iTunes. Please, if you listen to us on iTunes, give us a five star rating. If you like what you hear, give us a review. All these things really help. And if you appreciate what we're doing and you want to see more of our exclusive content, we have a Patreon. You could be a Patreon subscriber for as little as three dollars a month. We have some new ones coming out now. Uh, I was just in New York with Austin. We filmed some how we inside outs. We filmed some uh, rewinds. We did some cool stuff. Um, so keep your eyes open for that. And all of the people that you know support us on the Patreon, we really appreciate that. And it helps keep us uh, giving us the opportunity to to create new content. So I'm kind of botching this the spiel a little bit. I was gonna say you're killing the spiel. That's the spiel. Ah, you're thanks, killing man. The spiel. But uh, thanks. Yeah, we have a backlog. It's only been 107 times. That's it. It's not that many times. <laughs> Come on. But yeah, we we do have a, a backlog of a backlog of stuff for the Patreon page as well as our just regular YouTube page. So we're getting ready to post all that stuff. So stay tuned for all of that. Also, maybe we can film something when I'm out there by you in Long Beach, like we did last time. I love that. So. I mean, it's. There's gonna be enough people around, and we could probably get some, uh, find some time to do some cool stuff. I want to skate that rail again that you did the first handrail, uh, inside out. Dude, Dude that's it, like a, you. It rained when we were there. I, I got cut. I got like five minutes to skate it, <laughs> but yeah. uh, that thing is a classic. But uh, I also you know, want. You to... know what that rail is? That rail is a perfect non-switch up one hitter. Mm -hmm. 
It's like the best non-switch up one hitter you're gonna find. For a switch up, I don't think it's great, but for just like perfect one hits, like that's the that's the rail. It's like when you go to a skate park and there's just like a rail there. Usually skate parks don't have massive rails or anything like that. It's just like you hit it, dink, and you keep continuing on with your line. That's like that rail, but a street version of it. It's awesome. Yeah, for sure. Uh, but I'm gonna give a shout out to our um, Patreon subscribers, our new Patreon subscribers this week. We have Tyler Garrett, Mike G. Caleb Roman and the Coping Box Podcast. Thank you all for supporting us on our Patreon page. And we didn't do a monthly supporter giveaway for the month of September. So we're going to do that right now. We're going to jump into this real quick. Um, every month we do, that's the wrong thing. There we go. Every month we have, uh, we put all our Patreon supporters in a, a big pool here and we give one of whatever you want from our online store to show our appreciation for your support. So I have everyone's name in here. Where is it? Here we go. Everyone's name from the Patreon page. All like 300 of you. So thank you all so much. And we're going to let this roll real quick. See who the winner is for the month of September. Zach Roan. Congratulations, Zach Roan. You are the winner for Jump Street Podcast monthly supporter giveaway September 2021. I made that sound way more official than it needed to be. <laughs> no, that's official, man. But congratulations, Zach. We'll hit, up, we'll hit you up so you can get one of whatever you want from our online store. It could be, you know, a, a T-shirt, a uh, mug, a hat, whatever you feel. We'll reach out to you, let us know, and we'll get it out to you. And everybody else, thank you so much for your support on Patreon. Boom. You know, it might be a good time for a beanie. It's October. It's going to be coming into November, December. Zach, I'm just it's, – it's up to you, <laughs> but I would recommend maybe consider the beanie because it's starting to get – depending on where you're at, if you're in the Northeast, Midwest, it might be getting chilly this time of year. Could be beanie season. I'm just saying. So shout out, Zach, and congrats for that. Billy the salesman. Like if you had a Jump Street store, you walk in and Billy's like, hi, can I help you? Oh, you look like you're a little chilly. You can use a beanie real quick. Please have an aisle three. We have all of our beanies here. <laughs> but it's free. It's yeah, it is free. I know. <laughs> when we open up a Jump Street store one day, we're going to have a lot of sales with you in there. But let's keep it moving because we have a lot to go on um, with our, our guests cool. today. Um, we have a WTF this week. Uh, from yeah. from Jeremy Malik. I hope I said that name right. Malik, he's French. It could be Malik. <laughs> but, uh, he's getting this, better, guys. This uh, is a first ever, possibly. Did you see this, Billy? A little sketchy on the landing, but still. I think, I think it was 900 kind grind. <laughs> that was 900 kind grind. Yes. Is that a first ever? Have you seen that before? Oh, I've never seen a 900 to grind yeah, I guess it doesn't matter if it's a no, kind grind or not. I've never done that. <laughs> wow, that's intense. That's insane. Holy moly. People are doing all types of and shit look at to that. grind. At a contest. I hope he won that contest. I hope so, too. I didn't even think about that. He better have won. <laughs> if anything, I hope he got something. Worst case scenario, he won WTF of the week on Jump Street Podcast. So, Dude, I'm so old. I can't, like. I, try, I have to really look because it keeps looking like 540 to I me. Know. I did the same <laughs> thing, too. I did the same exact thing, too. <laughs> Hold on. I got to Oh my gosh. Yeah, okay. <laughs> you have to like count it, wow. right? You have to count it right. as it happens. <laughs> wow. That was oh. <laughs> awesome shit, Jeremy. That's... Hell yeah. 900 congram right there. And before we keep it moving, um, our guest is taking a pee break or something like that. But we have a sponsor for this episode uh, Blank by Rollblade, or just Blank nowadays, as they're known. Uh, they just announced their new Sean Keen Pro Model Skate. And they're taking pre-orders now, uh, shipping soon. We have a new video for you with just the details of the skate because it's new. There's a brand new mold and everything like that. So everybody check this out. The new Sean Keen Pro Model Skate by Blank. 
That is a sexy ass skate if I ever seen one. <laughs> For sure. But, That's uh, a sick ad and a huge shout out to Blank and shout out to Sean Keen. Um, yeah. The guys have been ripping, everyone's been ripping it over there. So huge shout out. Well-deserved skate. Um, check out, they also launched a new website, link in the description below the YouTube video. Check it out. Give them a follow on Instagram, Blank Rolling Products. And keep an eye out for the new Sean Keen Pro Model Skate. You can pre-order it now. And I've been writing on it. For the last couple months, we have a couple of review videos coming out, so stay tuned for those. And I love the skate so far. Check it out. It's a really good, solid skate. So Blank by Rollaway, thank you so much for sponsoring this episode. Sick. Oh, the skate looks great. Hey. What are you riding on get now? into it? Oh, I don't want to. <laughs> you know, I was going to leave that, but we're starting a new project. There's a lot of new updates to come, um, but it's called Mesmer Skates. So if you're watching this right now, you have an Instagram you could follow us at Mesmer, M-E-S-M-E-R, Skates. Mesmer Skates. A lot of updates coming in the next couple months with that, so keep your eyes peeled. There's a lot of exciting stuff happening in skating in Q4 2021, so we're glad that Q4 all these skates are coming. Good. Q4 is looking great. Mm-hmm. Setting it up for Q1 2022. <laughs> <laughs> Super bu- it's, a bu- it's a business uh, term, if you will. But yes. Yeah. <laughs> we're, we're businessmen now. We're businessmen. We're talking <laughs> quarters. We don't talk annuals. Quarters. <laughs> But um, yeah, so that seems to, to be guests? everything. I would love to talk to our guest. Let's fucking do it. We have a very special guest for episode 107. Everybody, please put your hands together. If you're sitting at home, I want you to put your hands together. If you're driving, put your hands together for Mr. Jan Welsh. If you're driving, keep your hands on the wheel. <laughs> please. <laughs> there he there is. There he is. Legend of I the guess. game. Welcome to the show. I love the little yawn on the mic. It's so funny. I see it in the chat too. Like you're replying back to people. <laughs> That's like the best cartoon character. What's well, from the? You know what it's from, right? No, I don't. It's old. It's old. It's from Daily Bread magazine. It was Chris Peel, who's artist for Daily Bread magazine, drew this of me, and it was the subscribe cards, the subscription subscription cards for Daily Bread. So that came little, in the magazine. The little paper that came in the magazine. Yeah, and it was full page ad too, with that image on it. Oh, so Chris Bill was my roommate at the time, and he was the artist at Daily Bread in early 2000s. You haven't changed the bit, Jan. You look exactly the same. I know. <laughs> well, it was called the, the Cart Jan graphic. So in some video, it, there's an animation of it. I think it's in a, maybe a Razor's video or something. Um, there's an ad with that, and it's speaking in Cartman's voice. <laughs> I don't remember this. <laughs> I think I do remember that. Yeah. yeah, I do remember that. The cart yawn. That's really funny. I like that. <laughs> the cart yawn. <laughs> well, Jan, um, to be honest, I'm really stoked to talk to you about everything. As I've, as long as I've been in skating, I've seen you there be a huge presence, whether it was in the early days on the AOL chat rooms, 
um, under your screen name, Scum Magazine 1995. You're one of the first websites with skating, Scum Magazine. Um, you know, working with Daily Bread, working with Rat Tail, um, going on to do everything you've done with long distance skating, then and now blading. We have so much to talk about. But, you know, as always, I like to start because I'm genuinely curious of this because, you know, a lot of people, when you've been skating for as long as me and Austin have, you know, you see a lot of people come in and, and you have an idea of how they've kind of started. But from when I've started, you've always been there. So I'm actually truly curious to know how you got involved, where it started. I mean, I've heard things like Jan is Jan is Austrian. Jan is from Texas. Jan is from where, where are you from? Like, wh who knows? I don't know any of this stuff. We need to know this stuff. So can you please <laughs> fill us in? All right. Well, I was born in Austin, Texas. And when I was young, my family moved to Germany and I lived there until I was about six years old and we moved back to Austin. So I have dual U.S. and German citizenship. So that's where I'm from originally is Austin. Um, and I started skating in 1989 when I was in about seventh grade. Uh, I saw people on inline skates around the city, you know, in the early days of inline skating. I was really cool. My neighbor got a pair of Rollerblade Zetra blades and he didn't like them. So I kind of just, you know, barred them indefinitely until the wheels were dead. And that was my first pair of skates. And my mom bought me a pair of Bauer hockey skates and i did a lot of roller hockey it's about like 90 91 um at the same time my parents got into skating too and in austin they built a place called the Veloway. it's like a four mile paved track for for skating and biking so we used to go out there and i used to skate with my parents and i would go skate around the city around the university of texas get got into stair riding um gaps did a lot of roller hockey. I was going to University of Texas. I was on the University of Texas roller hockey team. It was like it kind of an informal team, but played roller hockey there. And uh, can, can, can I interject for a second, just because yeah. I feel like there's there's a lot that you're kind of going through fast, because um, this is like you know, obviously, but the the stair riding, like, did you see it somewhere or did you just stair riding? I would have seen in um, well, there was a skate shop in Austin back then called Armadillo Skate Shop, and they had all those VHS tapes, all those Rollerblade promo tapes, where you had all those, you know, early 90s, late 80s videos of people doing 40 ounces and <laughs> stair rides and, you know, funky jumps and stuff over cones. So, you know, I saw it and probably at that, I'm guessing I probably saw it on a video at that skate shop because they used to let me borrow tapes and I would take them home and watch them and then go skating and... Back then, skating was really popular, and there was, at the university, there was actually, like, on the West Mall of the University of Texas is an area where people hang out, and they have booths there for different organizations at the university, different clubs, and at that point, there was, like, a, actually an inline skating club, and Arlo had previously gone to UT, and he was part of that club, too, and there was a girl in that club named Nejla, and it was an ex of Arlo's, and that's who I was started skating with. And people in this club, so we did a lot of stair rides around campus and roll-ins and just roll, lots of rolls and stair rides. So it was kind of this whole crew doing it together. Um, so that was like the early days of that. And the University of Texas is an absolute playground for skating. I mean, not only does it have rails everywhere, it's got tons of ledges, downstairs ledges, flat ledges, and has some of the most famous rails, you know, in Texas. 
and some of them we've seen in videos back in the day, but you know, it was just a great place to skate. And I used to when I went to University of Texas, I I skated to and from class every day. I would skate in the class, like through the building, have my skates on in class <laughs> all day. I never took them off. Um, so yeah. But you know, and that whole same group did a lot of roller hockey. So we did, you know, the steroids, roller hockey, and then there started being a night skate in the city every Monday night that met at a bar. And that's where we started doing a lot of parking garages and, you know, bombing hills and long distance skates. And that was probably about, I'd say, 93 or 94. Um, then we were, pl- and my origin story for actually aggressive skating was. We were playing roller hockey at the University of Texas, not even, sorry, at Austin High School, and this car pulled up of some guys from Houston, and they asked if they could play with us. And the car was, in the car was B. Love Harden, and mm-hmm. another guy, I can't remember his name, Taz, I believe it's Taz, he was an old issue, like one of the early issues of like Box or Daily Bread, like you know, one of the first like four issues. He was doing like a soul grind down a, like a two inch tall stair ledge. And, uh, Anyway, those guys played roller hockey with us, and then there was a bike rack, and the guy Taz started doing like soul stalls on the bike rack, and I'm like, "What the fuck is this guy doing? This is crazy." And uh, anyway, they started him and B started skating this bike rack, just the bottom rail, you know, just like the little one off the ground, and there was like a four stair rail at the high school, and B wanted to soul grind it, so it was like kind of one of his first like soul grinds on like a little tiny rail, and anyway, they left. You know, and they left. They went back to Houston, and after that, I was like hooked on like trying to grind. And every single person I skated with that was there that day, like tried, and they all quit skating. Every single one of them, <laughs> they couldn't, they couldn't like transfer over to grinding. Um, so it was just me skating by myself. Like that whole crew just disappeared, and I would skate around the city by myself. And I would see random skaters like skating down the street, and I would like chase them down and like <laughs> try to meet them um, to skate with them. And the way I really met my first crew of aggressive skaters was that skate shop I mentioned, Armadillo Sport. I used to go in there. I made a flyer and with the little pull tabs with my phone number for people to call me to go skating. <laughs> no way. And no way. I got a, yeah, I got a phone call from Lonnie Gallegos and Jason Howard. What? But hang on and... a second real quick because I'm, I'm, I'm curious. <laughs> what did it say? Because this, like, yeah, um, I don't remember exactly what it said, but it was like, you know, looking probably something like looking for shredders to do some like grinds or whatever. I don't know. Something like corny 90s, you know, skate lingo. But <laughs> you can't do that these number. days. Ooh. You don't know the people who contact you these days. And, uh, and uh, anyway, they called me up and um, and downtown Austin back then was, you know, downtown Austin now is like this, you know, Crystal City, like it's all rebuilt and super nice but back then downtown of austin was like completely abandoned and there was like a lot of junkies and and there's a rail there called well after i met up with them we call it heroin rail because there's always somebody shooting up heroin when you're skating it and but that's the first place i met up with jason and lonnie and it's just like a long handicap rail and you know from that was our first day skating and we skated like every day for years after that um eventually what year are we talking is this this would have been it would have been 90 like like 94 i'd say like like end of 94 um and then in 95 there was a a uh sports festival along the river um and frank stoner just randomly showed up there with a grind rail with some other guys and that's where we met frank stoner and there was a 
a coliseum across the street that's not there anymore, but it had these white square rails, and Jason Howard was skating that. And some random dude was skating by and did a gainer over the stairs and just what? skated away. Never saw the guy ever again. It's just like a random, <laughs> random, like, random moment in skating history. No way. <laughs> Hold on. No. No. No, that's the kind of stuff we dream about. Like, epic, like, moments in skating where, like, someone in the middle of the session just comes up, does something epic, and just keeps skating. Just, right. just keeps going. So that's what he did. Well, that's that's what happened. And um, wow. But yeah, on that day is when we kind of like got a really good crew because we met Frank and his friends, and we met this guy Mike Shields and his friends and his, his little brother. Like everyone had their own little crews, and they all kind of met at these different events that were happening in the city. And like Mike Shields was one of the best skaters in Texas at the time. You know, we're talking about Harvest and the Crust period, and he was. You know, as good as any of those guys in that video, he skated really big rails. Um, amazing skater. You know, him and Jason Howard were just powerhouses on big rails. Um, it's also around the time we started. We met Chris Fleener because he was about thirteen, and he used to his friends from Houston used to take him to Austin. They all stay at my house. I remember my parents always still talk about how many people used to sleep on the living room floor at my parents' house um, back in the day. I mean, Texas, you know, was a really big scene. And Austin, the thing that's cool about, you know, the original skate scene in Austin with, you know, Jason, Lonnie, and also like Shannon Rogers and um, Jay Gehrink and and just a bunch of different people, Frank Stoner, they all still skate. Like pretty much my entire crew from 95 still skates today. And that's awesome. I think that's pretty rad, you know, it's longevity in that scene there. When a lot of other cities in Texas, you know, they've just been gone through phases. Not necessarily Dallas and Houston, but, you know, Texas has a lot of medium-sized cities and, like, Corpus Christi and San Antonio. And pretty much the only person in San Antonio that's been around forever is Poncho. Poncho Barrera, if you guys don't know who he is, just watch Leon Blind. You'll see him sweat stance at crazy ass drop rail at the very end. Um, I know who he is from your uh, your new YouTube videos. Yeah, so he was, on, he, was on, he was on Vicious. Uh he was one of the first riders of Vicious, which Chris Cheshire, Stockwell, Micah, and Johnson Armia. So that was the, the original team. And you know, we went on tour together for that. So, But that's that's much later on. Um, anything else you'd like specifically from the early <laughs> days? Billy, you're muted, I think. Sorry, I had to cough. Um, so, yeah. No, that is something that... Uh, yeah. that's. A, I'm sorry, I lost my train of thought what I was going to say. But what I'm going to say is... That's an interesting take right there of the beginning. I'm curious how that like went over into you doing Blade Media. Like the first website I saw, like I said earlier in the episode, was scummagazine.com. And this is like right when it was dial-up days. This is when you couldn't call. Like if someone was on the internet and someone in the house picked up the phone, you're off the internet and you're yelling at your sister and the phone's busy. But this is like the beginning days of the internet. You went on to make a website. Uh, what was that? What was it that inspired that? And what was your idea behind that? Well, Scum Magazine started in 1995 and it was both a print zine and a, and a, and a website. So I actually have, I don't know what they are. I should have pulled them out, but I have copies of the print zine here. Um, I don't have them all. So if anybody has old print scenes of, of Scum Magazine, message me. I might need it or at least make photocopies of it. But so it started as a print zine and, it, and my whole motivation is the same motivation I have today. And that's just like 
helping promote skaters that I think are awesome and get their skating and what they're doing out to you know, the world. And back then it was, you know, all my friends in Texas were really badass skaters. So I wanted to take photos and videos and make a website and showcase them. And at first the website was purely just Texas, Dallas, Houston, Austin. Um, and then it started expanding when I had people contribute. So I had people, you know, start Arkansas and Colorado and then it just spread internationally later on. But it was basically just, you know, to promote my friends. And I'd made videos. I made several videos through the Scum Magazine. There was America's Army. There was Scratched. There was No Budget Lo-Fi. Um, a couple more I can't think of that I self-produced VHS tapes. And I sold them on the website. I actually sold a lot of videos back then. Um, and I'm going to be putting those videos up on YouTube soon. I've started digitizing them all. So I have a the new YouTube channel. It's just on uh, youtube.com slash Jan Welch, and you can check them out there. Uh, but yeah, those old videos have a lot of classic skating. There's, you know, a lot of Robert Guerrero in, well, Jason Howard is originally from Northern California and grew up with Robert Guerrero. They were in elementary school, junior high together. Then Jason moved to Austin. So Robert Guerrero used to come out every summer, the whole, you know, most of the summer, um, like 95, 96, 97. So there's a lot of Robert Guerrero footage in those videos, you know, old stuff of him. Um, yeah, I'd love to see that stuff. Yeah. So how long? Yeah, did, I, I was, I never heard of this scum magazine anyway. I'm just like, how long did this last for that? I, I just went over my so head. scum magazine started in 1995 and the last issue came out December of 1999 when I moved to San Diego to work for daily bread and Basically, um, Scum Magazine started in 95, and then in the early days of it, you had Sequence Magazine, which is Lawrence Ingram from, you know, 5050. He had that magazine, so it was kind of like my competitor. And BMAG had started as an email, at first had started as an email magazine, so you had to be on an email list to get an email from them. Um, and then it turned into a website, and then eventually a magazine. And my goal with my actual goal with Scum Magazine was to turn it into a, a proper print magazine because the print versions of the zine did get much better throughout the years. Um, and it was pretty rad. And then, but then I got a job offer to work at Daily Bread to do the website and different things. And when I moved there, I had the intention to keep going. And I had just won South by Southwest that year, the interactive um, media festival for South by Southwest for best website for Scott magazine. What? And I had a lot of job offers from, it was like the period with big startups. So I had all these job offers that day. I turned them all down cause I'd planned on moving to California work for daily bread. And it ended up most of those dot coms <laughs> ended up failing fairly soon after, but yeah, it was, it was pretty cool. I, you know, I beat out, it was, sports websites so i beat out like the dallas stars and the dallas cowboys and like all these texas you know big time websites um and i got th four all access badges for the whole south by southwest music festival and i took my dad and my friend and we went to see a bunch of bands and stuff it was pretty rad um and loretta uh lonnie gaigos's mom loretta she owned a skate park back then called intellect rollers room and i was a manager there and it was very cool skate park and she had a bunch of scum magazine shirts made 
for me that said scummagazine.com on the front and on the lower back it said fuck all the other magazines. <laughs> Damn. That, so, that, that's probably why Daily Bread reached out. Daily Bread was like, we got to stop yeah, this guy. We need how do we stop him? Let's hire him. Yeah, that's, exactly. That's yeah, so, yeah, so you know, I worked there. I mean, I, I, th- I think I'd met Angie. I wasn't sure, I, I, but I believe there was an ASA in South Padre Island um, that was in some old videos. I think VG had a section of it. And anyway, I think that's where I met her. Or maybe I just emailed her. I don't really remember. I used to do a lot of emailing and actually like snail mail, like writing letters to Dave Payne. I actually have a folder of old handwritten letters from Dave Payne. Um, like communicating during the like VG days and stuff. And I have a pretty good archive of some stuff laying around that I'm going to start putting up on the, on the YouTube channel. What were you reaching um, out to Dave Payne about back then? Just about video stuff, you know, like getting in VG and being pissed off that he didn't use some tapes or something, you know? <laughs> 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 you know, it's just like the normal stuff, you know, 90s. Yeah, no, that's pretty funny. Um, I can't believe you kept that stuff. Yeah, I have a lot of stuff. Like, um, I used to have the biggest collection of magazines ever. I had like every magazine from every country, and I had like a depressive period where I just kind of threw them all away. I kept all the ones where I'm like in them, like where I because I contribute to a lot of during Scum Magazine days. I did contribute to a lot of magazines. Like there was a magazine called Inland in Germany. Um, they would reprint my. It was like kind of like a disinformation section, you know, from Daily Bread, but, you know, like my rumors. And most of it was like bullshit. It was kind of like made up, just like the disinformation. And, but they would reprint it in German in this magazine. So their whole like news section was the bullshit from my <laughs> fake news on the website. And it's, it wasn't all fake news, but it was like, you know, it was just like, you know, it was just making stuff up, kind of, you know. I was going to ask that about the disinformation. So you used to write it? For every issue, for no for Daily Bread, I didn't write disinformation, but oh, for okay. my for Scum had a disinformation type of thing that was being copied by this German magazine. Oh, okay, uh, um, disinformation I did not write. I didn't write. The only thing I wrote for Daily Bread, well, so I'll go to Daily Bread. You know, I moved to Daily Bread. I mean, sorry, I moved to San Diego to work for Daily Bread in 1999, and initially to do a website, but. That's not exactly what I wanted. You know, I wasn't doing websites. I was making content, right? So I didn't want to, like, code websites. So, you know, I ended up transitioning into actually doing content. So I did a lot of tour articles. Um, you know, I organized the whole New York issue. I organized that whole trip, like, who we were going to skate with, you know, with Mike Johnson and Franco. And, you know, basically researched who the skaters were to meet there. And, you know, Can went out there with question? Johnny. Yeah. A quick question. Um, so you guys came to New York and we were under the impression that it was because of like the live from New York video got out to you guys, like Billy Schoen's video. And it's, 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 I think because of that, you wanted to do. It's quite possible. I don't remember exactly. Yeah, but I just remember that because. Um... Go ahead. Sorry, sorry. <laughs> because I, I heard I heard back then that it was like, oh, yeah, the, the Daily Bread guys like uh, thought it was just like the first generation of New Yorkers. And then I guess when that video came out, it had like prompted you guys to want to do that trip because it was like, oh, there's kind of a whole scene that we didn't know about, which then prompted the issue, which to us was That's like a most likely deal. the like, case because I did research. I had a research like 
there's a reason we went and I had to research. So I watched a lot of videos and, you know, and browsed the media that was available at that time online. Um, and you just talk to people. So there was definitely, most likely that was probably it. I don't remember the details. I just remember doing the research to figure out who we should talk to and then contacting everybody. And I remember it was, you know, everyone was so young and it was a very interesting trip. And I remember taking, you know, Mike Johnson to get sushi for his first time ever. And he was calling it Susie. <laughs> <laughs> and, I, think, uh, I think Mike's in the chat now, actually, too. <laughs> yeah, so that was pretty cool. Do you remember Mike? Is he responding? <laughs> yeah, we'll see if he still calls it Susie. <laughs> if he's grown up yet. <laughs> um, oh, but no. yeah, that was a really... We were all super young back then. And it was like such a huge deal. I think we were all like around 16. And then yeah. Deli Bread came. It was like such a huge deal. So yeah, go ahead. Sorry. Well, I remember you specifically when I went out there for Razors for Steal This Video. I was in Philly first filming with the Kelsos and... Halloran, and then I went out to New York, and you were the only person that would show up on time or early. So you'd be like the only person in the session. So it'd just be like you and me. Nice. <laughs> so wow. you know, and then some people would show up like an hour later. But you were like, I always remember you like you were early, and we we did that let those ledges over by I don't know Manhattan to Kurt one, and then yep. you did that roll in Monkey over ledges. to Staten Island. Yep. Yeah, and it was like solo skating, but that was a fun. That was a really fun trip. Remember, we had one other person with us on the ferry. He was hitting on a midget. Do you remember that? On the ferry? <laughs> Oof. I don't know if you could say midget these days. My oh, sorry. A small okay. person. A little person, right? Okay. <laughs> <Yeah>. So. <laughs> but, but I mean, it say, happens. So. I'm so curious who this person is now. Was it someone, I, someone from It was only York? you, me, and him. Yeah, it was only me, you, and him. If I remember correctly. Jesus? Jesus? Oh. That sounds about right. It might have been Jesus. So I remember when Daily Bread did a little article on you guys and you asked. Oh, after. no, that was different. It's different? Okay, it's different. Okay. So I don't know then. I have no idea. No, I mean, that was a heck of a trip, but, and, 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 and it went to a lot of that stuff. You moving to San Diego got you involved in like some other companies, but uh, quick, I just, I just want to touch base on like those early days at Daily Bread, like you getting in there. Um, you got, you know, RIP Johnny Donahue, Don, Donahoe. Um, you know, Angie Walton, you have, like you said, Chris Peel, Brian Konoski, Jess Danforth, like a lot of these like epic photographers that are like helping contribute to the culture. So what was that like, uh, that experience moving from Texas to San Diego and being like in the belly of the beast, so to speak, of the rollerblading industry? Well, it's definitely, you know, a dream come true to, you know, to opportunity to go out to San Diego. Uh, getting there was not like as sweet as I expected because, I, you know, I didn't have a pl I didn't really have a place to stay. And there's a guy named Zeb that worked at Daily Bread that was going to let me stay at his house or his apartment that he shared with somebody else. And this girl, some girl he moved there with from Minnesota. And she had this like big master bedroom. And we both shared this tiny ass bedroom. And we all like just shared rent equally. It was like totally BS. But, um, and it was really far from downtown San Diego. It was in uh, Spring Valley. And I had to take the bus to the train, to the trolley, then take the trolley into town. And on the way back, the bus quit running. So I'd have to skate over like a mountain to get back home from the trolley stop. And it was like pretty rough. And Definitely you know, in San Diego too. Massive mountain, massive hills, hills out there. It's like There's a lot of hills there. Yeah. And I mean, 
SS got bigger hills, but San Diego's got a lot of hills. It's up there, yeah. <laughs> and, uh, but so yeah, anyway, I was working there. Like I said, I was starting with the website, but then I started doing writing. And then because I'd already been doing videos, um, as soon as I got there, you know, I got immersed in the scene. I you know, started filming right away. So that's when I started making the video United Front, which was the first video I filmed while I was in San Diego. And, you know, I was working daily bread at a time. And I had, you know, had a section with Chris Haffey. It was really good. He had like a double section. And then Brian Shima had a section. And um, like Aaron Dazan. Bunch of dudes. And anyway, that ended up, that video was came out pretty cool. Mike Angie Leaf? was a little, what's Mike that? Leaf in there? Was Mike Leaf, Mike in, Leaf there? Was in there? Mike Leaf was in there, yeah. But he didn't have a section. He just had clips. Um, but... Angie wasn't stoked that I made the video like while working Daily Bread, so she wanted to distribute it. So I let her distribute it through Daily Bread, and after that is when I started making the Daily Bread videos. So I was going out filming. You know, I did Quattro first, um, and then No One's <laughs> Children, and Quattro had why the Qu Pianowski section. Yeah, that was wild. Why, why, why Quattro first? Just wondering. Because it was the fourth Daily Bread video. Well, you oh, weren't making the beginning okay. ones. You mean? I oh, why did? Sorry, what's yeah, your you question? Didn't make, you didn't make Forest Fire under the influence. Or, no, because that yeah. was before I moved to San Diego. Yeah. Okay, makes sense. You know, so yeah. I, when I moved to San Diego, when I was first working at Daily Bread, is was Forest Fire and Transcendent ready to come out? And they had just brought Drew Backrack in to make um, Under Influence. So he was doing Under Influence while I was making um, United Front. And... After Under Influence is when I made Quattro, which was the fourth video. And it's Quattro, the Portuguese spelling. Two T's, um, right? One, with one T. One T and a Q. Because, yeah. And, yeah. And um, because Pianowski section. You know, so uh, know being from Brazil. Yeah. So, um, and that was a really insane time because, you know, Pianowski's mother had just passed. So that's why he came to San Diego and... He was just, you know, not in a great state. So he just wanted to, like, do crazy tricks. And he did some crazy tricks. I mean, if you've seen Quattro, mm -hmm. it was just, like, stunts. And there, and then you had BJ Bernhardt, you know, had just moved there. And he did crazy stuff. So you get Carlos and, and B, BJ skating together. And they're just doing hammers all day long. Um, and, yeah, I mean, and you had all those kids in San Diego, you know, Chris Haffey, Mike Leaf, the Santee crew. And then you had Connor coming down, Jeff Stockwell, you know, all those guys. So many good 16-year-old kids. And I picked up Chris Haffey almost every day from his house in Coronado Island. And back then, you still had to pay a toll to cross the bridge, which later on, they got rid of it. But I used to pick him up, and we'd go drive around the city and just film for years. Uh, so that was pretty cool. Um but yeah, I did the videos. I enjoyed it. I, I didn't last at Daily Bread that long. It wasn't really like, I mean, it was a great experience and I made great friends, but it wasn't what I really expected it to be, the experience to be like. So after two years and two videos and doing the layout and stuff, I quit um, that the No One's Children video, which had the Rob G section. That was a really fun video to make. And I actually filmed that video and still this video at the same time. So when we were, when I was in New York filming with you, Billy, I was actually also doing Quattro, uh, No One's Children, and they premiered one night apart at ASR trade show. So 
it was Friday night was still this video premiered at the Hyatt Hotel on the on the bay. And then on Saturday night it was still this video at the Spreckles Theater. Not still this video, sorry. It was uh, No One's Children at the Spreckles Theater in downtown San Diego. So that was a pretty cool experience to have two big premieres two days, you know, during ASR trade show, which is something that I don't think anyone had happened to them, you know, then or since, which was kind of Yeah, cool. I, I was at the Quattro premiere. That was nuts, dude. It was so sick. It was my first time in California, and it was after the ASR trade show down in San Diego, which is like this huge kind of trade show, ton of skateboarders and like one aisle of blading or something like that, but it was lit. It was super tight, and basically, um, yeah, it was just this downtown San Diego movie theater packed out. Just really packed, cool, like, really cool theater too. Out. I can't yeah, imagine people like really seeing cool. the Carlos section at a premiere, like the hype that was going on in that room at the time. It's a weird feeling in those, a theater like that, you know, there's so much energy and Quattro, like with the whole intro and everything built it up pretty cinematic. So it was, I thought they were both perfect videos to premiere in a situation like that. And I mean, the venue, it's just so cool. Uh, You remember the venue, Billy, it was like the huge vaulted ceilings and like the acoustics were really good. Um, It was really rad. theater style, like, almost theater you know yeah so yeah i mean doing those video premieres were fun and then you know after that i just kind of freelanced for a year before we started four by four and rat tail um wait before we get into all those because those are big stories also right along this video filming tip like you filmed some of the most highest profile goats in skating you mentioned a few brian shima chris haffey carlos pianowski uh rob g like, I got to know what it's like filming with these people. Like, you saying you're picking up Chris Happy every day to go skate. Like, that's got to be such an experience to see that. And, like, Brian Shima, like, people like this yeah. who, who define our sport, and you're going out and filming them all the time. Like, some well, of the most iconic tricks. Yeah. Know? Some of the most iconic it, stuff out there. It was definitely amazing to watch these things happen in person. Like, you know, I remember Chris Happy at, um, I don't remember the name of schools anymore because it's been so long, but, um, I think it was like Rancho Santa Fe High School or something. There's like a, you know, it's like a 22 stair, really steep rail. And it was like the first rail that Chris Haffey tried switch uh, true top, or no, switch true top soil. I'm like, well, that's a gnarly ass rail to try that on, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, just, you know, all these stunts. Like there was a lot of scary stuff, you know, filming with Pianowski and like a lot of those disasters and, you know, big drops, like, you know, there was a few things where I'm like, I hope this person doesn't die. Yeah. Um, a lot of those trips happened at the San Diego Convention Center between Pianowski and Matthew Heinemann um, because there's a lot of gnarly ledges there. And the one with Matthew Heinemann doing the back royale on like the five-story drop ledge that was in the credits of um, of leading the blind is the scariest thing I ever filmed. It was a photo in daily bread shot by Ryan shooty. Um, but yeah, it was one of those things like, you know, he did the first time he did it, he landed on the ledge, which is kind of like angled and the whole ledge was just full of seagulls. They had all landed in front of him. So he had like drop on his butt and like slide down and then go back up and do it again. And he laced it, but it was like, just, you know, kind of like biting your teeth, making, hoping that they don't fall off on some of these tricks. Um, but most of the time it wasn't like anything deftifying, but it was definitely gnarly. Uh, a lot of those, those clips, I mean, there's just so many crazy clips. Like you said, 
Did you did, did you film did you film Eric Briquette's 180 and steal this video? The double. Set? I did not film. No, I did not ah, film that. Damn it! It was. Um, I was hoping you did. I wanted to know about that. I did not film that. No, it was given to me for the video. Um, it was one of the few clips in that video I didn't film because I filmed pretty much the whole video except that Perquette clip. Damn. And I'm not sure. Maybe like Mikey Albritton or somebody, one of those Esco kids filmed that. Right. Right. And gave what? it to me. So does anything else stand out besides Matthew's back royale on that ledge? Because Carlos done some gnarly ass shit. Well, I think one gnarly Carlos trick that I didn't film, but it was in uh, No One's Children, I believe, is it was filmed by Colin Martin, where Pianowski, it's like a flat roof, and he like gaps over like a a channel, and disaster, it's like disaster back royale is a drop uh, rail. Yep. Um, is that? Do you remember there? what I'm talking about? Yep, I know exactly what you're talking about. It's like off a roof yeah. to back royale or rail. Yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. That was Colin yeah. Martin film that, I believe, and that was gnarly. I wasn't there for that. But, you know, a lot of it's just the stuff like the, you know, disaster to the second down rails and stuff at the uh, mall in San Diego. Um, it's kind of hard to remember all the tricks, but it was definitely... There's a lot. Uh, it was definitely very cool to document so many of these legendary skaters and legendary spots, you know, a lot, one person I enjoyed filming with a lot that I was supposed to make a section with. And it's the only person who I was supposed to do a section with that ever happened was Brandon Campbell because he got injured, but I did get a lot of good clips of him throughout those years. I just never was able to film a section with him. Um, and which was kind of a bummer because he was such a good skater back then. Yeah. yeah. Another one. Um, I actually have like a bit of an inquiry, which I think it, it might answer itself, but, but maybe not. Um, you know, during that time that you were making a lot of these videos, like blading was like very specific in trends, right? So like in the early days, like around like the mid nineties, there was like the Janko chain wallet kind of punk rock thing. Um, in the late nineties to early two thousands, it was heavy hip hop, baggy jeans, like sweatpants and, and looser clothes. And then it went to a, a tighter thing and, and it went through these phases and like all the individuals involved kind of went with it till it got to a place where that everyone kind of did their own thing to a degree. This like these trends that ties together, but it's generally more people doing their own thing. During that time, you were making, you know, you came very forthright with your style that was very distinct. You know, it was a very punk rock style. It was like owning the rocker thing, like, you know, when when like you were doing it, when like Shima and, and John Elliott was doing it, it was it was more of the outlier. It was like not so much of what was the trend at that time. So I was actually curious to know like where a lot of your influences came from because I think a lot of us who were involved so deeply in skating and had to be such a part of our lives, a lot of our influences came from within skating, like maybe from your videos or from the VG videos or or things like that. And that's where like a lot of the beginning influences come from, but yours clearly come from outside. So I was curious where uh, a, a lot of those influences and, and visions came from. So for music, um, when I was in college in University of Texas, Austin's a very famous music town. You know, it has been since the 60s with, you know, 13th floor elevators and then the 70s with the punk rock, you know, the dicks and the big boys and, and the huns. And like, it's just been this music town. And the 90s was a really special time in like the Austin for music scene. And when I was living in Austin, I was going to university there. I was DJing at the university radio station for three years. And so I was at shows every night and I got really into music and there was a, a record store called uh, Sound Exchange on the, on the drag, which is the main street by the college. 
And I used to get free promo stuff in the radio station. I would take it in for store credit and just get like every seven inch that looked cool on the wall. And that's kind of where I found out about music. Um, I remember seeing Dead Moon play like for the first time in like 94. Uh, wow. In Austin. And I pretty much had like, you know, all the records. I mean, I have everything that he's ever done. Um, so, but yeah, I was a big fan of that, like Dead Moon. So like, you know, introducing that to those, like when I first moved to San Diego, I had all that music and, you know, Brian was more hip hop still back then. And John was, you know, more into like classic rock and, you know, they weren't really into that. I played that music, but it took several years for them to get kind of transitioned into liking that type of music as well. So, you know, so my my introduction to music was through just my being in the music scene in Austin. You know, um, I've always liked music the whole time in San Diego. I DJed at venues during shows like between bands and, you know, beauty bar and different places. And in Austin, I DJed. Um, so, I, you know, I like music. I've always liked music. I got a huge record collection, like 4000 records, mainly like Oof. punk rock and psychedelic stuff. And um, that actually makes that actually makes a lot of perfect sense, like saying that. Like right right after I asked the question, you just said, "Oh yeah, I grew up in Austin. There's a lot of shows." I was like, yeah. "Oh, obviously," because <laughs> having gone to Austin myself, it's like such a music capital, and they have all these eclectic style of music and all that. I'm interested to hear that you had your music taste had an influence directly on Brian and John, which then had a huge impact on the rest of the industry. Because yeah, um, I I actually do remember when uh, Shima was hip hop. Not many people do. They you know some uh it's it's an early day when shima was still like really into hip-hop and like you know wearing the baggy clothes and into that style a lot of people remember him from like the bomb squad and like metallica and like this kind of stuff but um yeah that's interesting to hear do you, do you think that that they grew to your music by just you exposing it to them oh yeah i think so you know i mean john got into it first um i'm you're not on billy am i not on Huh? No. Did he say something? No. Are you, is he talking? <laughs> <laughs> Hello? Is yeah, my mic in? Now you're in. Now you're in. Okay, right, sorry. got unplugged. Sorry. Turn me up in them headphones. Um, okay, so anyway, I looked at the chat real quick. I wanted to... I, so what was your question, Billy? I'm sorry, I got I got sidetracked. Oh, no, that... um, You know, like I was saying, like uh, Brian and... And John, like they, their music style had such a direct influence on so many skaters, and even right. though it influenced the dress style. It's interesting to hear that that a lot of that style of music came directly from you, because I don't know so much John in the early days, but I do remember Brian Shima from when he was hip hop and dressing in the hip hop style. But he's so known for being like you know the punk rock vicious, you know uh, Redwood City right. Bomb Squad kind of guy. So I was saying, do you think that your music had a direct influence on them? The music did definitely have a direct influence on them. You know, when they started transitioning in, you know, cause John was really into like the who and Led Zeppelin and stuff like that early on. Um, and what happened too is when they got older and we started going out to bars in San Diego, we started going to shows, the type of music that was, we saw was more along the lines of punk rock. And so then they opened up more to listening to my record collection. Cause in my place, which they were at, like Brian lived in my couch for years and John was there all the time and me and John lived together. You know, my record collection was out. So anyone could listen to records and stuff. So, you know, it was definitely influenced them. Those guys definitely had the style aspect. I never really dressed like super punk rock or anything, you know, whatever. But I did listen to all the music and 
Um, so yeah, I definitely, the music in my collection definitely influenced the direction of how they went and which, like you said, did influence the direction of a lot of skaters out there. Um, as far as, you know, vision of vicious and like marketing, you know, that was all me and John kind of, you know, that direction of it. And that was tied in with music. You know, vicious was really tied in with being a kind of punk rock company. Um, I did want to mention one thing. I looked at the live chat and there was a couple things I remembered when you asked me about crazy stuff I filmed. Mm. Um, Leap of Faith, Ian Brown Oof. was one of them because it was just a gnarly fall. Um, and Dustin Jones doing the transfer, doing the transfer at La Jolla High School, flat rail to down rail transfer, uh, where the first time he gutted himself and then he did it again. Uh, that was like a super naughty trick. And I, I did want to mention that being in San Diego at that time, working for Daily Bread, and there was every good skater in the world would go to San Diego because it was guaranteed they would be in Daily Bread magazine. Mm -hmm. So that's one reason I was able to get so much good footage too is because all the skaters from Australia and Europe and all over the U.S. would go to San Diego and a photographer and myself would go out with them and they would get a photo and they'd be in the video. And that was a big draw for people to come to San Diego. And, you know, with one, it's a little bit different because they don't have an office. There's not a photographer, you know, so it's like no one's going to San Diego for that, um, for that reason anymore, because a lot of people out there back in the day to get, you know, in daily bread, it was like a goal. Mm -hmm. So, you know, and I was part of helping that goal of theirs. Um, so I want to give a shout out to like all the photographers, daily bread, you know, Keith Wilson, Dan Busta, Ryan Schutte, those guys who is who I was with all the time. And Johnny Donahue as well. Rest in peace. You know, he was um, a really good photographer as well. And we worked with him a lot with Rat Tail. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, he has similar similar vision and, you know, was a punk rock guy. So in the music scene. Um, but sorry, I, I sidetracked from the other music discussion. No, that's true. No, but I actually, and I'm, and, I'm, and I'm sorry, Austin, to to, can, okay. to keep barreling on, and I'll, I'll shut up after this. No, I'm just forward. actually, I'm just actually curious about this one thing before it slips my mind. Um, so you were saying, like in the early days, um, you know, Brian was staying on your couch. Uh, John would always pass through the house. Um, I heard this. I don't know how true it is. A lot of these things, like that, you hear in the early days, are not necessarily true, but. You know, I heard when John first came to the States, you know, he came from Austria and he wasn't um, great at English, right? But he, he was able to speak English. Did you guys speak German together? Were you able to uh, converse in that, that Germanic dialect? Or Well, first what? of all, John is John did grow up in Austria, but he's American and his family were missionaries and they all spoke fluent English um they spoke english at home so okay whoever that's said he didn't speak english that's incorrect but at the same time he went to international schools there so he was always with english speaking but he did speak fluent german and we did speak german together we would speak german when we would go to bars and we didn't want people to know what we we're talking about we would talk in german um but yeah so you know john came from um a missionary family uh and all the kids moved back to the States. There's only one, one of the kids is in Finland and his parents moved back to the States now too. Um, and I want yeah, to just... say, 
there's a video that John was in, you know, back, back in the day, you know, John grew up with Michael Beyer of BMAG. That was who we skated with. And Michael Beyer made a video called Vienna Waltzer for like Vienna. And John Ellie has a section of this video. And this is a long lost video. So if anyone out there has a copy of it, make sure to contact Billy and Austin or myself so we can watch it. Um, so yeah, that's, that's it on that. Ooh. That'd be cool. That'd be cool to, uh, locate some things through this podcast where there'd be the video or the old scum scenes that cool stuff. Any, any of that comes to fruition, please hit us up because I'm very curious to see that as well. Yeah, definitely. Austin, go ahead. I don't want to, no, I don't want to. Uh, no, I was going to say before about how, how San Diego is like the hub for skating at the time and how I used to love appreciating the fact that back in the day, how you said before that when people went to San Diego, you would get a picture in daily bread and you get like filmed by you, like the clip of it. And I used to love that about media back in the day because it, everything wasn't instant on YouTube or Instagram, whatever it was. So you would see like the picture in the magazine and then like months later, the video would come out and you would see the video clip and then like it would click in your head a different way or vice versa. You would see the video clip and then you would see the picture in daily bread. And I used to love that touch in skating and getting all like the little nuances and the tricks that you get from the photo and then you get a different feel of it from the the video clip and i I used to love that feeling back in the day about skating and i I love that you mentioned that too about san diego and daily bread one thing i want to do want to mention again with the the san diego time is first of all mike johnson was really fun to film with because he was so good and (laughs) you know after when mike johnson got came to san diego for the first time i picked him up from the airport and i remember him being so stoked like that he left New York for the first time and he was in San Diego and, you know, and he ended up staying in Southern California, you know? Um, but one thing that daily bread did kind of ruin with skating in San Diego is because with San Diego, I'm sorry, what daily bread did is there's a period where they would say the name of the spot in the photo. So they would name the school or what the spot was called in the photo in daily bread. So all the people who came to visit mm-hmm. San Diego already knew where the spots were. <laughs> And a lot of these spots are spots, you know, it works with spots. Like you can only skate them certain times or whatever. And if you're local, you're going to respect that. But when you're coming as a skate tourist, you don't give a shit. You just want to skate it. So, I mean, so many spots that were in Daily Bread were capped because of that reason. They were just overskated. Um, and then eventually they stopped putting the, like, the name of spots in there when they realized it wasn't the best idea. But, <laughs> yeah, I just want to throw in that little tidbit. That's pre-Google too, pre-Google Maps and everything. Right. They took it to yeah. regular maps. They just oh, you know what? Yeah, I used to do MapQuest. I'll tell you how it I found spots in San Diego. <laughs> I had the my spot finding technique in San Diego was, well, MapQuest had just kind of come out, so use that a little bit. But the airport in San Diego is downtown. So you fly in really low altitude when you fly in from any direction in San Diego. So... I knew all the interstates, so every time I would fly in, I would just look out the window and look for spots. And there's a lot of ditches and schools and businesses, you know, way out, you know, who knows where. So I would just, like, map them in my mind when I saw them from the plane. And then I would get on MapQuest and locate them, and then I would drive out there. And that's how I found a lot of spots, just from, like, coming back. Because I flew so much back in the Daily Bread days that... I was always flying back in and finding new spots, looking at the airplane. <laughs> I was say like Jan finding spots back in the nineties, be like buying the cheapest plane ticket from like San Diego to like <laughs> New Mexico, like Phoenix, just so he could like hop back and forth <laughs> over the city. That's fucking funny. 
That's funny. This is like this is before you could like go through the Google Maps looking through the ditches. He was just like taking yeah. like the flights and just the Photogra bio. Yeah, so Google Maps is amazing, you know, like Google Maps, you can look at like I mean, even California, you know, there's these towns where they have the fires and the houses burn down. And then you can, you know, like pretty much like the whole neighborhood started abandoned. And you just get on Google Maps and you look at which houses have pools, you know, because it's like these abandoned neighborhoods with a bunch of pools because they're all rich. You know, most of them are like rich houses and they all have pools. So you just say, that's how a lot of these people found pools out there. It's mm. just on Google Maps looking at, you know, I never thought about houses. that. Yeah. The techniques are out there. There's so many different ways to find spots these days. Yeah, well, I mean, it's kind of like uh, it's there's lots of ways to do everything. It's just a matter of thinking about it. Mm -hmm. I all thought it would be really cool to have a resource website for rollerblading that has like everything for doing anything you need to do. You know, what would be involved besides spots? Well, it'd be like uh, you know how to organize, uh, you know, uh, a group skate or how to meet skaters in your town, you know, or how to organize like a night skate in your town or stuff on skate instructor. Just you know anything like. How to work on skates just every possible resource for skating because mm -hmm. a lot of people you know back in the day you found a lot of your skaters through skate shops right you would go to a skate shop and you would meet people that's how i met a lot of people i knew there's not that many skate shops anymore so you know you can find some people on facebook but there's still a lot of you know a lot of people not on the facebook splitting groups um if there was you would have you know probably like a lot more people than is on them but just you know ways to show people how to connect with other people and how to start even how to start your own shop and how to start your own whatever um because it's very attainable it's just people don't know how to do it so having experts that have done stuff kind of just give their input and you know have a site that's like a collaborative project but it's really hard to find people to, to come together and do stuff when no one's making money off of it mm -hmm. yeah it's uh it's it's tough to sustain something like that when there's uh, not that 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 kickback. Yeah, I want to get it. In... Oh, go ahead. No, I was gonna say I want to get deeper into these ideas. I do, mm -hmm. but I still need to go through the past because I'm just I'm curious. I'm I don't know if the guests are curious, but um, we can come back to this if, if, unless I'm being rude. I hope I'm not. No, 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 no. <laughs> okay, whatever you want to cool. talk about. I want to talk about the beginning of Rat Tail. Um, okay. Because, like you said, you you were you were with these, you know, iconic bladers. Like some of the the people who shaped to the point where skating is where it is today. They had their hand in the in the creation, whether it be John, uh, Brian Shima, a young Chris Haffey, um, and and that whole uh, development and stages of development therein. Um, yeah, what was the? I mean, like you said, like Vicious had like obviously like the the punk rock ethos behind it. But what was like the great? Was there like a, a greater plan, the greater idea? Like, how did that all come to be? Well, you know, four by four was a crew initially, and it was a crew started by Corey Casey, um, and it was a drinking crew. It was four by four boozers, and it was you know John Elliott. It was started before I was in the picture. You know, they had started because it was when because Corey Casey is uh, Bo Connington's cousin. If you guys knew that or not, but they're cousins, they're they're moms or sisters, and um, so they grew up skating together. And John, when I first moved to San Diego, John was living in with Bo Coddington in Escondido, and that's how him and Corey became friends because John was like a little bit Corey and John were sim more similar to, in what they were into, so they became friends and and ended up in San Diego. But 
that's how four by four started was them their little drinking crew and and it came to the point where um you know john and brian were writing for mind game with chris and chris haffey had just been put on mind game and they wanted to do their own thing uh and at that time you know i had quit daily bread like i said i was doing freelance videos so it would have been about the end of 2003 where we decided to do a wheel brand and we wanted distribution for it. So that's when we started Rattail and it was done out of my apartment. Um, at the time I was living with Tori Traceder and he had just moved back to Utah. And so we had a spare room that we set up Rattail in uh, or four by four at that point, just a couple shelves with t-shirts on it. And we got the first wheels in, which was, uh, Rob Thompson wheel, a Shima wheel and a John Elliott wheel, um, which was like just their faces from like photographs. Uh, and we took those wheels and those shirts to some contest in Sacramento or San Francisco. I don't remember, but that was kind of where we launched it. And that's where we did the ad, uh, with Pat Lennon doing the misty flip over Mike Choley's pickup truck with John Elliott, Chris Haffey, Shima and, Rob Thompson standing in front of it. You guys remember that double page course, spread in yeah. Rejects who, Magazine? Who can, who can forget that? <laughs> and that was the backside of the business cards we had made at first. So yeah, that was, I, I forgot who actually shot the photo, um, but it was Mike Chili's pickup truck, which I remember that much of it. Um, but yeah, that's that was our kind of launch weekend for 4x4. And at the beginning, like, you know, John and Brian had invested money into production. I didn't have any money. So my investment was like sweat equity, uh, you know, doing like the, the work, selling it and getting stuff made and just running, you know, the business side of it at the beginning. Oh, yeah. Sweat equity. Um, yep. And, uh, so yeah. And, you know, at that time, like Brian was, uh, sleeping on the couch for a while and, um, John was crashing over quite a bit. And then John got a place down the street with Chris Peel. And Corey Casey, they just lived around the corner. Um, but yeah, that was the early days. We just started it and did it out of the apartment. And from there on, we moved to, um, let me see, we moved into a different house, a bigger house. It was me, John Elliott, and Chris Peel. We moved into a bigger house. And that house had a garage, like a real crappy old garage. It's falling apart. And we paid the Santee guys to renovate it or add a floor to it and redo the walls. And we turned that into the rat tail warehouse, which was just, you know, four by four at that point. But that was around the time we started vicious. So, um, we started vicious out of that house and we silk screened Chris Peel designed everything. So like me and John came up with the concept, Chris Peel designed everything and we screen printed all the shirts by hand and had the vicious tour, the photo shoot, like the vicious ad where everybody's sitting in the, in the couch. It's like you know, Michael Yeager, Sean Sarmiro, all those guys. Um, that was shot that day, and then we did the Vicious Tour the next day, which is one of the, the, the last video on the Vault series on my YouTube channel was from the first day of tour. Um, but, yeah, and then from there, Vicious was very – Vicious ended up being a very successful brand. Um, I mean, 4x4 was too, but Vicious really – like the – punk rock image of it was really big and you know we ended up getting a bigger warehouse like an actual warehouse 
over by the sports arena district and we did, ran out of there. We had uh, at that point, Jen Isinger, uh, who's the wife of Justin Isinger from one magazine. She was handling sales for even before that from the first house I was in, we had her, we brought her on pretty early for sales. So she handled sales pretty much the entire time, except the very beginning when I was in it. Um, but yeah, so it was uh, a lot of work. Do you have any specific questions with it? I have a random question that came up because you were talking about the, this is going to be so random too. We were talking about the, the ad with uh, Pat Lennon doing the Misty flip over the, over the truck and everybody. You said it was the back of your business card. Was it like mm-hmm. a four by four business card? Like what, what do you, what does a wheel company have a business card for? I'm just curious. <laughs> it just yeah, we had random. business, we had business cards, um, four by four business cards. Well, you know, we went to skate contests and events and you hand it out to people you meet, you know, back then it was, uh, you know, ASR, like there was still industry stuff happening. There was still media. Um, there was still like business contacts you could make. So skate shop owners, oh, right? And, you know, skate you shop owners. Skate and shop even, even for when we're going to find, you know, screen printers and stuff, you give them a card. So um, we definitely gave out a lot of cards. I mean, we definitely gave out like 1% of the cards we got made, but that's pretty know. standard. But, um, you know, they came in, they were useful, you know, and then just like, you're like, hey, I have a business card, you know. Seems official. <laughs> kind of cool. It's a, it's a um, cheap way to seem official. Yeah. So, <laughs> but, you know, also, you know, when it comes to music, um, you know, John had always played guitar and he got Shima and Stockwell into guitar. And, you know, Shima really fell, you know, into guitar, you know, heavily. Obviously, he plays in bands now and everything and, you know, has this guitar, just works at a guitar. Um, the guitar shop uh but at that very first warehouse they built a music practice space so brian could play music in there with john and then john's little brother had started a band and they practiced out of there so we every warehouse we had to the end had a practice space so those guys could play music so it was definitely part of Rattel, the whole music thing um apes of wrath apes of wrath yeah mm-hmm. so that was the bolino song from the sleeves video. Yeah, Apes of Wrath was was Dustin Dustin Elliott's band, and there was a feature a spot like a spotlight in Daily Bread. I think that's what it was called. And they, yeah, they Dustin's a really good musician. You know, he's been in some like he's more punk projects, drummer. more punk projects since then. He picked up art a couple years ago, and he's a phenomenal artist. And then now he's going to arts his a master's degree in art and somewhere in Illinois right now. So I'm pretty happy for him because that kid, you know, talented musician, talented artist. John was also a really good artist. He just didn't really, you know, do too much art. But when he just sketched, um, he had some really cool sketches. I actually have a few of them uh, still in my collection of memorabilia. Yeah, so um, I don't know that just I remember you being such a big part of all that stuff. Um, obviously like in the mid two thousands, it was like the, the downfall of, of daily bread, uh, eventually like, you know, John Elliott and started leaking out of, of skating and Shima started doing his own thing with SSM. Um, you moved back to Austin at this point, right? Or, or what happened in between that? So, you know, okay, well, when I left off, we had just done vicious and we moved into that other warehouse 
so when we after we moved out of the first warehouse, we moved into a second warehouse in the hub of of North Park, which is a neighborhood we all lived in and that we spent a lot of time in. We got a warehouse that was way too big for our means. Like, you know, um, it actually just got torn down. The old warehouse warehouse is no longer there, but uh, it had a storefront in the front of it. So in around 2009, John Elliott and I started a vintage clothing shop out of a storefront called Bedouin Vintage Collective. And we would have, it was also art galleries. So we had, would have art shows every month and bands and DJs. And we did have a blading art show during um, a blading contest, I think at ESCO, or some big blading event that was in San Diego. We had an art show at the shop, which was Arlo Eisenberg, Eric Burke, Sarah Danforth, Chris Peel, and Jeremy Baytal and Adam Namera. So it was a pretty rad show. I don't know if you were there, Billy, but it was no. a fun one. Um, so we did that shop, and that was really fun. Uh, and that continued after Rattel had folded already. So, And then around 2012, I was just kind of over the whole thing in San Diego. Like everything I moved there for had happened, so I moved back to Austin. But, um, you know, the whole thing with NIM, I mean, we started NIM, that was – that was uh, a fun time, you know. Was, that was Nim was John and John and Brian's pet project. Um, I didn't really have any, you know. It wasn't I wasn't involved with Nim as except for helping, you know, run Nim. But it was their company. Uh, but you know, I helped with all the marketing and branding and designing the ads, and you know, I filmed a lot for the Nim video and I edited some sections for Nim video. Um, one of my favorite sections I edited for that was the Maddie Schrock section. I was so really good. About that section. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, uh, let me give a shout out, a shout out real quick to Heath Burley. He's watching this, the little redheaded brother from Texas. Oh, Heath, man. Love Heath. <laughs> yeah. He actually came out to one of, we had, we did a couple shows in, in Texas and we obviously went out there to skate, but he came out to the shows too. So it was really cool to, to see him. Actually, I know, I know I asked you a question, but there was one I wanted to ask you before that I kind of got away from. Uh, you guys were in San Diego, like this big blade house at, in North Park, which is like this pretty well-known kind of hip skateboard area. San Diego, like SF, has like these deep skateboard routes and, and surf routes that kind of have this classically just, you know, distaste for blading. They don't like blading. It was the first time when I went to San Diego and I was going to like the concrete parks when I was feeling certain energies. Uh, was that weird there? Was there any tension Okay, well, so um, the thing with skateboarding in San Diego is you had a lot of people that talked shit, you know, on rollerblading. Like, you go to a bar and you're like, oh, what are you doing? I'm like, oh, I rollerblading. And like, uh, rollerblading, blah, right? And that happened for quite a while um, from around 2000 to, let's say, 2004. And, but in that time period, um, you know, Johnny Donahue came from the skateboarding industry. He was a skateboard photographer first, uh, worked for Transworld and Thrasher and whatever. Um, and so he knew, so we met a lot of skateboarders from them and in, 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 um, San Diego, you had, was it Swank distributions? Like Todd Swank was pig wheels, zero skateboards before Jamie Thomas took it over foundation skateboards. And, these guys lived in our neighborhood and 
I knew a lot of those riders because they would go to the bar we went to and they would actually come over and hang out. They watch blade videos. I remember there was a guy from Australia. His name was Gareth, Gareth Sturr. And he would watch blade videos. Like he would get them just to watch them to get stoked on going skateboarding, like, you know, back in the early two thousands. And none of those guys that rode that we met, you know, would hang out that rode for like foundation and, you know, all those brands hated on blading. Like they enjoyed watching it. The only people who hated on it were the guys who sucked at it. <laughs> who can guys who sucked at skateboarding were like the most the worst haters and but the hater period in san diego was really ended about 2004 and i think the time it ended is you know when you started going to bars everyone who was like a rollerblader in the 90s finally turned 21 and they're all at the bars so pretty much everyone at the bar was like used to rollerblade so you know you like say you roll and people start being like, oh, that's cool. You know, it's like it totally switched um, at some point in time because everybody used to roll and it was you starting to meet. So, you know, and then a lot of these skateboarders that did hate on it were a lot older and they kind of like faded away. Um, but yeah, that was my experience with it in San Diego. I, I thought it was you know fairly positive from the actual core scene. It was just negative from the kids at the skate park. Yeah, I've always been curious about that, um, relating to SF and San Diego, just because it just seemed like a lot to undertake going to the skate park or just like unnecessary stress or at some point. So I mean, skate parks definitely were stressful. Um, I, but I think like my experience was very similar to when I was in New York and we were at Harold Hunter's house, you know, Ron Hunter. And I, you might have been there, like we're all hanging out. It was like some there was a photographer from Thrasher or Transworld. And a bunch of skateboarders and then all the rollerbladers and everybody's hanging out and we're watching like one skateboard video and one blading video at Harold Hunter's apartment. And that's kind of what it was like with us in San Diego with this, this, these pro skateboarders, you know, but yeah, you're right. When it came to like skate parks, there's a lot of bros in San Diego, especially the more North you go, like Escondido, like North and East. So it's, mm. it's a different, the more North you get, the skateboarders are, were a lot worse as far as just being assholes. Um, yeah, but in San Diego itself, everyone was pretty mellow. Cool. I'm sorry. I didn't, I didn't mean to, uh, take you off course. Six. I know you were talking about, um, 2012 leaving, but before we got out of San Diego, I just wanted to touch on that. So I'm sorry. I do have, I a... had somebody ask a question and the thing I was going to answer real quick about my Duran Duran hat, which was, I was I wearing a, in a daily bread thing. I sold out on eBay. It is gone. <laughs> I sold it for like 50 bucks. And someone else asked if I hung out with Brian Bell at all. And I I didn't hang out with him that much. The first time I ever went to San Diego, which this is another good backstory. Um, Lonnie Gallegos and I drove to, to California in 1999. It was my first trip to Cali. And we went up to the Bay Area. And that's the first time I skated with Pat Lennon and Brian Shima and um, Eric Garcia and all those guys, you know. Uh, and I, I filmed a video called... Um, uh, Urban Decay, and it's had all the NorCal guys in it. It's got like a Rob G section. It has an Eric Garcia section. Um, it's Chris Fleener section back in Texas, but that's a, a good Cali video. So, and then we went down to LA, and we hung out with Ernie Ramos and all those guys. Um, and then we went to San Diego. We stayed with Brian Bell. So me and Lonnie stayed with Brian Bell, and that was the first time I met him, and he was a really nice host. You know, hosted us when we were there. Then when I moved to San Diego, um, it was a little awkward at first because the, Brian was filming you know, a lot of those the Wanted videos, which uh, Wanted 
two or three. One of those is like one of my favorite videos. It's which is awesome. But um, but there's a little tension with. I think he felt I was a little uh, stepping on his feet because I was trying to go film with Haffy and stuff. So first, it was a little bit awkward, but we became friends, you know, fairly quickly. And like we didn't hang out that much, but he was always a pleasure to hang out with. And it's very sad, you know, about his passing and stuff. Like he was a definitely a good dude and a very legendary, important skater in the sport in the early days. He had a huge For influence sure. on everybody back then. For sure. R.I.P. B. Uh, B. Bell, Brian Bell, Billy Bell. He's uh, the man. Made some of the best videos. Wanted Street Dwellers. If you haven't seen it, check it out. But um, and one of the gnarliest bladers ever from the '90s, oh, by far. Got it. By Gnarly. far. He was doing hammers when hammers weren't even a thing yet. The original stunt guy. Yeah, yeah that, was, that was Bell, Brian Bell. But I, I wanted to ask because you were talking about all the companies that you were involved in. You were involved in. You know, Rat Tail Distribution, Nim, uh, Boot Company, Four by Four Wheel Company, uh, Vicious uh, Clothing Company. Uh, like you had your hands in so many different brands. Like, what is what aspect is more fun to work with, or was more fun as a creative, maybe, or just in general, just what with what you can produce under that brand? Well, Vicious was definitely my baby, and everything we did with that, you know, from the marketing the ads the edits just branding and imaging like marketing a company like that was very fulfilling um i definitely i did enjoy you know doing a lot of the print ads for i did a lot of print ads for ground control as well and t-shirt graphics for them um because we distributed when the ground control shirts started getting a little bit more interesting it's because we took it over through Rattail and we were distributing the ground control shirts for several years so um, I did a lot of t-shirt design, which I enjoyed a lot of any design type of work is what I really enjoyed that in marketing. And, um, I don't do as much design anymore, but I do like marketing still, you know, especially with social media and stuff. It's, I find it fun to market blading stuff. It's like a game. Yeah. <laughs> yeah no, that's awesome. Um, no, and you, yeah, talking about now what you're up to, cause anybody who, made only know you recently that may not have known your roots that you were involved in the media back in the 90s with magazine daily bread like the biggest magazine back then and all these other brands and now you're doing um then and now you have big wheel blading um you do the new england blading camp every year like you're still heavily involved what keeps you doing these things from for the last 20 20 something years well you know i've been blading since 1989 and it's i've done it most of my life i mean i'm 45 years old now so i'm no spring chicken but I love blading and I invested my life into it. And, you know, it's never been something I've made money at, but I just enjoy it. And I enjoy, you know, helping people and promoting people and, and just watching skating and skating with people. Um, you know, I, I, at a point in Austin, you know, when I moved out to Austin in 2012, I didn't skate that much probably from 2010 to 20 or maybe 2009 to 2012. I didn't skate that often in San Diego. But when I moved back to Austin, immediately I began skating again with, you know, my old crew in Austin at that point in the early 2012 to, you know, 2015 was just a mecca. Everyone was moving there from all over Texas, you know, Utah, places like that. You had Anthony Medina, you know, building up the scene there, you know, Andrew, Andrew Broom, Mick Castles, uh, Heath Burley, Cody Sanders, um, you know, a lot of skaters, Jason Howard, you know, still killing it to this day. Uh, 
like the scene is amazing. And you also had filmmakers there like Jay Gernick and you know, and old school guys like Frank Stoner and Michael Yeager was living there too at that point. So, and a lot of other old school guys and new school guys. But every Monday, for four years, five years, we would meet up at House Park Skate Park downtown and skate. In the summer times, we would meet up at like six a.m. because it was so hot there. And in the the rest of the year, we'd meet up around nine. But we did it every Monday. Had you know five to twenty people every week. And then we had a lot of different night sessions and box sessions. And, you know, I was probably out skating five days a week. And then around 2015, I decided I needed to get a little bit more exercise. And I got some um, Power Slide Imperial skates from Matthias. And that was my first big wheel setup, 3 by 100 And I just started cruising around the city um, and doing some distance skating. And it was a lot of fun. I just enjoyed the freedom of surfing the streets um, felt really good bombing garages and cause you know, a lot of aggressive skaters, you know, unless you're old school, like you didn't really grow up just skating around the city. You know, some people only skate from like you know, skate park or like Terrell from the car. Um, but just spending hours skating around the city, it's a lot of fun. And I really fell back in love with it. Um, and I started organizing, night skates and we would do you know 15 to 30 mile skates every monday night 9 p.m to you know midnight um which was really fun and i enjoy skating with a lot of people in big groups especially on the big wheels and and it was hard to find people to go on 30 mile skates on a monday night but Hmm. we would have between you know five to ten people almost every monday so what i started doing is organizing a group skate on friday nights at this new neighborhood called Mueller, which used to be the airport. And I marketed towards quad skaters too, because I knew there was a lot more quad skaters at the time, um, pre COVID, you know, uh, in Austin, especially. So the first group skate I did had like 90 something people. It was like 75% quads. Wow. And we skated around this area and I picked it because it's very flat and has new streets. So it's very beginner friendly. And I was just trying to make a night, a beginner night, to kind of pick some people out to add to our long distance nights. And um, it it was pretty good. It, like the, the big size of the groups faded out fairly fast. It ended up only being maybe like 10 or less people for the rest of the time I did it. But I really enjoyed it. And when I was doing that every week and the distance skating every week on Mondays, I started skating every day. And like 2017, skated something like 2,500 miles around Austin. Wow. And... That was a lot of fun, and I don't know if you if you know who Caleb Smith, like from Iowa, um, aggressive skater, does all those ultra skating distance skates. He came to Austin a few times around 2016, and he had just gotten a pair of power slide swells. And I took him on his first long distance skate in Austin. We did a 30 mile skate to another town and back, and he fell in love with it. And that started his whole like ultra thing. Like the next thing he did was skate Ragbri in Iowa. Um, so that was pretty rad. And then at the same time, I started Big Wheel Blading, the website, bigwheelblading.com. And it's still around today. It's been around for four years now. And the site I started to promote all forms of skating, all disciplines of skating, um, with a heavy bias to aggressive skating, because that's, you know, where I'm from. So even though it's called Big Wheel Blading, it's has all skating on it. And you know, a lot of there's a lot been a lot of crossover through the past couple of years of people doing distance skating and slalom skaters starting to do aggressive and and I'm just trying to tie that all together because my theory was 
the sport has all these disciplines have been trying to grow, but on their own, and they weren't that successful. But if they all work together to achieve a common goal, the sport would grow if the whole sport worked together, you know, all the different disciplines. And you see that with like the world skate events they had in Spain and they have in Colombia. Like, I think that's a lot better having, you know, speed skating, slalom and aggressive contests than having like a B3 where it's bike blades and boards, you know, because no one's there for blades at these other events. Everyone's there for skating, you know, inline skating or quad skating. Cause that's all it is. So, um, but yeah, I did that. And, um, I tried to, I had big plans for the website. I was trying to get a lot of people involved to contribute. I had a few people contribute, but it's very hard to get people to, like I said earlier, to work for free, you know? So for me, it's just a passion to do this. And a lot of people don't have that passion. Um, I mean, they love skating, but they don't have the passion to spend their time doing writing or, you know, getting content together because it takes a lot of time. So it was definitely a lot less, uh, involvement from people than I expected because I really wanted to make it more of a community type of website where people promote themselves and even the brands like there was not much brand support besides PowerSlide, Rollblade and Icon um, have been supporting me a little bit which has been very nice to them so props to those brands um, you know but a lot of the other industry hasn't really it's just didn't work out like I thought so you know then I started Done and Now Blading which is my new YouTube channel so it's youtube.com slash Jan Welch or you can look up Done and Now Blading, and it's Check it a out. blading channel um, that's basically about my history in the sport and and the present of the sport. And a lot of it's I have interviews like you guys have. They're not live, but I do interviews with just people I know um, that I've met throughout the years or new people I'm meeting. And so far, it's mainly been aggressive guys. But I'm going to start doing some you know people from different disciplines as well, just to mix it up a little bit. Um, but I'm overlaying the the interviews with actual like video and photos of what we're talking about in the interview. So it's actually takes a lot of it's, it takes a lot of time to actually you know do all that. Um, and then I have the sh a show called The Vault, which is I have hundreds of old VHSC, Mini DV, and Hi8 tapes that I've been logging. And The Vault is the raw footage, edited down a little bit, you know, getting out all the the garbage, but um, it's still very raw and I talk over it and kind of narrate what's happening, uh, you know, about the session and when it happened, like who's in it, some stories from some storytelling and it's pretty cool. And I literally have, you know, like 400 episodes of that show I can do. Um, yeah, I love, I love that one you put out recently with, uh, Chris Haffey at Dallas kink when he was yeah. trying to fast ride the whole thing. <laughs> yeah. That was the very first one. So that was the first episode and, um, and I haven't had any like old, old tapes yet. One thing that I've realized that's kind of bummed me out is a lot of my tapes from 1999 to like 2002, we recorded over them with like four by four stuff and whatever. And so a lot of that is lost. Although I do, I did make master tapes of all the raw footage for most of the videos I have. So I actually have all the raw clips. I just don't have the B-roll, so. But the B-roll is fun to watch because there's a lot of stuff like yeah, that's the golden stuff. Friends you see and whatever, so it's kind of bummed that a lot of stuff's lost. And it's not all lost, but I mean, I'm sure probably like a hundred tapes got recorded over. Um, but then going further back, I do have all the high eight tapes and the mini and the VHSC tapes, which has like that old Rob G footage, old 
old Jason Howard sections. Um, and my kind of goal with this project is to I'm categorizing everything so I can start doing some, once I have like all this stuff logged, I can start making like retrospective videos with like Jason Howard, you know, like all of his old stuff I filmed and all of his new stuff because I filmed between 2012 and 2017, I filmed a ton of stuff to make a video and then I kind of got bummed out and then we moved to Vermont and then I just sat on the footage, but I've actually pretty much edited this video that I filmed between 2012 and 2017 that I plan on putting out. Um, once I hit 1500 subscribers on the YouTube channel. So everyone subscribe. So go visit, subscribe. John Welch. <laughs> subscribe. Get and, in um, is this then so and yeah, now so or is this the vault or is this, um, this, this, blading? Is, this, is, this is the then and now blading page, the, but the video is different. I mean, the video is a video I've, I made, I filmed and I've just been f finally editing it and I've gotten more footage throughout the year. So it's not all old footage. Like, I've got a lot of footage and people sent me footage and stuff. So it's just going to be a new video. That's going to be, it's going to be tied in with the, the now blading page. So, but the blading page is going to have a lot of old videos and I'm, I'm going to do a lot of documentary style stuff on there with people. Um, and news, I'm doing like a kind of news show, a little bit different than the ones out there, just more background information. And I just do a ton of shows because I have so much, I have so much archives and I have a lot of, there's just a lot in my head from the history of blading mm -hmm. to talk about, you know, so, and on the spot with you guys, it's a little harder to remember. Usually I write stuff down, like, you know, I make like a, a list. <laughs> you got a lot of but stuff now, going but on. But now if people want to see it, but now if people want to see it, they can go to your channel. They can yeah. follow up on that stuff because I'm interested in the history of blading. Um, I've learned so much just like by doing this episode and having guests like you on and being able to like talk and go through those things. So um, I'm sure when you like get everything down and organized and go through all those tapes, it's going to be uh, cool to get everything down. I was going to ask you um, what your what you see like the your ultimate goal in blading like in a, in, in a perfect world um, or the direction you see blading going moving forward. Do you see positive things for blading moving forward do you feel hopeful i know there were certain points in blading where we had like dark we were like ah oh, it's it's never gonna go anywhere it's well, i mean it's like, um, maybe it's gonna go somewhere or where could it go what could it be what do you see for it well you know with the rat tail is a prime example you know rat tail is a very popular brand you know in the era of when real blading was the least popular you know or had the least amount of people doing it so you know, you got a lot of fans, but it was very niche and there wasn't an audience to buy this stuff. And you look at today where, you know, with COVID, you have all these people back to blading and you have news kids and like the Dallas competition just had, they actually had a kids, you know, competition. And when's the last time a contest? Oh, had really? Kids, That's awesome. You know, like, um, so you just have, you know, there's a lot Shout more out skaters Gino. now. You, you have, what's that? <coughs> Shout out Gino Gatelli for throwing that. Yeah, contest. Gino. Gino's a good dude. Um, but, you know, you have a lot more, I mean, you have a lot more people with money. You know, back then it was a lot of kids, their parents buying them stuff. Now it's like people can buy their own stuff. I mean, you look at the collections that people have, some of these wheel collectors and stuff, you know, spending hundreds of dollars per set. Um, but I, the way I see blading now, like, I love the fact that, A, it's getting diversified with people doing different types of skating. So it's not, you're not just stuck to aggressive skating, you're big wheel blading or you're aggressive skating and you're buying multiple skates, which helps the industry. Um, and I like stuff like Julio 
you know, with the royalties for the skates that he's been, did with the Danny Beer Skate, you know, and stepping up that game, and you have comp- companies like Gods like raising their loyalty, and yep. you know, skaters deserve to get paid. You know, they're doing all that work. So seeing that's rad. Seeing those billboards he's doing, the new store. I think Julio and them. It's been very impressive the past two years watching everything. Just that whole crew he has. Um, I think they're doing it really well. And I'm really stoked to see, you know, Mesmer. Like, it's, I feel like it's kind of like, like a little lost baby of Ratel um, mm-hmm. that just found its way home to you, Billy. <laughs> and <laughs> Mesmer by Ratel uh, Distribution. So, <laughs> um, but yeah, I think Mesmer is awesome. Like, you know, the team's great. And, you know, Icon, like, the fact that those guys have that opportunity and, and Icon, I mean, to have so much product for like a, I mean, obviously they don't have a lot of it in inventory because COVID and stuff. But if you look at their website, right. I mean, a brand new brand that has that much stuff, it's insane, you know. And that's Icon pretty cool. Huge. Like, what's that? Icon is huge. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's so much stuff. Yeah, it's huge. And then you look at, you know, I mean, you know how well Fifty Fifty is doing, and just all the brands, you know, nobody can keep stuff in stock. Um, I feel like it's a great time to be in blading, and I'm sure if Rattel was still around, it would be, you know, what we it's what we would have worked for. You know, it's what we always dreamed of it to be like, and it was always my dream to start another brand after Rattel. Like when I moved back to Texas, I you know, um, Mike Yeager approached me about starting a wheel brand, which I want to do. I just didn't have any money to do anything, and you know, wanted to be like the Isaac um, Julian William Isaac was going to be the team. And rest in peace, Julian Isaac. Uh, very sad loss of him. Great kid. But yeah, I've, you know, always want to start a brand. And you know, people like always want to bring back, like bring brands back. I was like, bring back forward for bring ambitions. But you know, my opinion, like if a brand dies, a you know they weren't. There was it was a team collaboration. I mean, a group collaboration. But still, when a brand dies, like it should be dead. Like start something new and better. Um, I agree. And I wanted to do something new and better. Like, my idea was to start a brand and use the same artists, you know, like Vital and Adam Mara and everybody. So it might still happen. You know, we'll see. Um, I, I got but, an idea for you, man. I got an idea. So so keep it in the hair, right? Rat tail, red beard. Mm. What do you think? <laughs> That's you like pretty it? good. Yeah. You like it? Okay. I'm just saying. I like it. It, uh, um, just an idea. You take it, you can leave it, throwing it out there. That's pretty good. <laughs> his his brain's going right now. <laughs> no, I like it. It's like, what are you saying? <laughs> no, but um, so yeah, no, I agree that it would be cool to see something. And dude, uh, to be honest, just like kicking back and having known you for so long, having met you in uh, it was two thousand when Daily Bread came out to New York City in May, I believe May or June, and um, to see like having been involved from the early chat rooms to like all the way now, still pushing, still so involved and. Someone in the chat said it, uh, Cody Sanders, and I agree. It's, like, so important for, like, these figures who've been around for so long contributing to, like, still be around and still be part of the part of the community. It's, like, um, just really important, iconic figures. So it's cool. Like, I, I'm looking I forward agree. to seeing what else you do and uh, loving the vault and then and now blading and just, yeah, looking forward to any new projects on the horizon. Are there any new projects on the horizon? Well, you know, first of all, if you guys enjoyed this interview, make sure to subscribe to Then and Now Blading on YouTube. Um, new projects on the horizon. 
besides the video project, not really. I mean, like I said, I'd like to start the, you know, a brand. And it, if there was a new project, that would be it. Um, but right now, I'm just trying to get this, you know, YouTube channel rolling a little bit. Um, it's been, you know, every Trisha's trying to figure like I had to learn how to use, you know, DaVinci Resolve and Audacity and all that stuff, which I never used before. And mm-hmm. it's just mastering all that stuff. And it's everything's getting easier, getting, you know, lighting and proper audio equipment. I still need like a real camera. I'm just using a GoPro 9 right now. And, and quality is not that great. But, you know, I want to if I'm going to do it, I want it to look pro. Well, that's why we, people got to support your Patreon page, too. Yeah. You got a Patreon Austin page. Austin Paz is the very first I was the Patreon first, right? supporter. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> now it's a, I've got three of them so far, so. That's it? It's, uh, Yo, we got to yeah, get you more Patreon it. supporters. Everyone I go to patreon.com slash then and now. I don't know what it is, but shout it's, it out. Uh, <laughs> yes, it's patreon.com slash then and now blading. And that's also my Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. And there's then and now. Uh, then and now blading.com has links to everything. It also has all the shows. And the interviews I do is also on podcast Spotify, um, if you want to listen to those. And I'm trying to get an interview with Billy sometime yeah, we're gonna do one soon. Yeah, in the future. Talk one. about Mesmer yes, and Billy. digging a little bit more into our history. You know? Yeah, that'll be cool. That'll That's be cool. Calling. I'm looking forward to that. I like being on the other end. You know? Hey, I wanna s- hold on one second. I think there's a drawer that has something I want to show you right next All to right, me. Cool. I'll be right back. Perfect. It'll be this is actually a good time for us to shout out our sponsor. Do it. Shout out blank. Blank has been killing it lately. They got a brand new skate out, Sean Keen Pro Model. Their team is incredible. Bunch of new content, doing a bunch of great stuff, and they are a supporter of our show, and we are very thankful for Blank. So shout out to Blank. All right. Here's what a got, drawer John? I just found. I found a old 4x4 John Elliott sticker. Oh. <laughs> nice. And a VG4 booklet. Ah, wow. And so I didn't mention this back in the day when I did Scott magazine, I used to own some clothing brands. I did um, a brand called transit, which was jeans. And I did, and it changed to transient when um, I forgot which skateboarder, but started transit skateboards. So it's transient. And then I had another brand called farmland and the team was like Jason Howard and um, Anton Kennedy and BJ Campbell. Uh, from you know Portland guys, so here is some things I found. Is here's Scum Magazine issue ten with John oh. Farmer, Ronson Rivera, John Ortiz, Jake Elliott, Dallas Niss. Damn interviews with those guys. Wow, back. Wow, for transit clothing. Lonnie Gagos is ass right there. <laughs> um, and then I found issue eleven. This is January February nineteen ninety eight. And Alex wow. Lopez, Frank Stoner. Um, right there. It's still in such then, good condition. I know. He kept that. Yeah, pristine. I have. Here's a 1996 catalog for my transit clothing. That's <laughs> sick. They and had catalogs and everything. I have um, Scum Magazine issue number two. It looks like a lurch drawing. Wow. <laughs> that does look like a lurch drawing. And... Oops, sorry, microphone got hit. Scum Magazine issue zero. I'm the only other magazine with an issue zero besides BMAG, and they totally bit me because this was around <laughs> first. And here's a 
Daily Bread Quattro sleeve. Oh. Completely fresh. Uh, VHS. Um, so, and then there's issue one, which was a trailer park issue. That's the same cover as issue zero, no? I know. <laughs> I don't know why, but no, it's the same cover as issue zero. Oh, and then here's issue eight. So, yeah. Anyway, there's a bunch of them here. I got, here's one that has, oh, this, this is the last one I'll show you. This one has a Champion Bomb Summer sec, uh, interview in it. Oh, shit, Champion. And, yeah, so... So, yeah, I have a bunch of different issues still. Epic. But I'm missing some, so I'm going to make a list of the ones I'm missing. And I know I sold a lot of these to people back in the day online, so maybe some people still have Scum Magazine collections. Some of these back to blading guys. You got to upload that, man. You got to upload the, that. I want to read that Champion Bomb Stiller interview. Yeah. I have the actually have the website, scummagazine.com. I have the entire website backed up. The, the issue with the website is... If you remember, back in the 90s, bandwidth was really poor, so you had to make right. really small JPEGs and very tiny uh, GIFs. So, like, you look at, I'm looking at these photos, I'm like, they look at this big. Like, I can't even, like, even with, the like, the good, you know, AI, like, gigapixel software still doesn't, you know, you can't do anything with them. So, and I lost all the, I lost the drive that had all the print, um, you know, layouts on it, so... That's unfortunate. Was that champion interview champion with oxygens? It was. Um, I, I, I love champion skating and oxygens. Like it his was B, his BG5 uh, I mean, section. It's a good chance because. What year is it? Uh, issue. It's issue number five, fall nineteen ninety six. Oh, he might have been before, oxygens. So here's my this whole industry rumors section. Which a lot of it was, I mean, some of it's true and a lot of it's bullshit, and it's just stuff I saw online. (laughs) And that's the ones that they would reprint in that inline magazine in Germany. Um, You were heavy in the internet in the 90s. I don't remember the, I mean, obviously it was around, but like, I don't remember much of blading anything on the internet until 2000s. Oh, yeah, you were sleeping, dude. Well, internet I, was big. I, I didn't have the internet back then. What do you want me to do? Yell at my, my family for not having the, a computer or the internet back then. <laughs> but I missed that on a gotta whole the, generation. Gotta go to the New York Public Library. Yeah, you gotta go to the library on. and log in. <laughs> so the photos in here are you can't tell what skates he's wearing because they're very it's very pixelated. Uh, but maybe he says I'll read it later and I'll actually send you guys a copy and you guys can post it. That we say you should upload those to um yeah, what's that website issue? With all the yeah, digital I could zines. do that. It's just you know my issue is, well my my issue is, I have so much stuff I'm working on all the time, so it's like hard to find time yeah to do all the stuff because I'm like also photos I've been scanning photos so like I'll spend like two weeks every day like twenty four hours a day scanning photos and then I'll like get into another project you know yeah and I also do a lot of work out in the woods because I'm building um ski glades which is you know thinned out trees for skiing because I do a lot of skiing here in Vermont. Um, a lot, which is reminds me of a lot of skating, which I really Sick. enjoy. But you got your hands on a lot of different things. By the way, you never. I remember you, you, a while ago you sent me a uh, a listing for a house that had like a skate park in the backyard or something like that by you. Yeah, you, yeah, you didn't was, buy that, did you? <laughs> no, I didn't. No, that I don't know if you've met Miles Cottersparrow from Rollerblade. I haven't. No. Oh uh, no, he, no, I haven't. He's like the he's the guy who works at the Rollerblade office. That's the aggressive skater, and um. I don't know if you guys ever went up to to um, Zero Gravity Skate Park in Vermont when they had ASA contests back in the day. I never no. have. 
well, his he's his family's the ones who own Zero Gravity Skate Park. So he's been around a long time in the Vermont blading scene. And he, um, I don't even know what we're talking about, but it was relevant to your question. Uh, Skiing. Um, oh, yeah. The house. That's who this, got, oh, the yeah, that house. That, hey, he's the one who got me into skiing. But that house with the skate park is like half a mile from his house. That's how I found out about it. Mm. So he took me to it because he used to know the person who lived there. And, yeah, it's a house on a... It's an off-the-grid house, first of all, and it had a really bad road that needed to be graded, but has a concrete had a concrete skate park behind it, you know. So and like street of, spots too. Yeah, it was like. a street. It was like a like a street plaza skate yeah. park. Not like no transitions, nothing, just ledges, like ledges and little rails. If you're off it's the grid like that, cool. you got to have something to skate. You can't be going to the cities to hours away to go street skating. Yeah, we have a lot of. Oh, okay. kind of, I want to mention real quick the New England Bladen Camp, yeah, which is. Um, it's like the it's basically the, like the Colorado road trip. I went to Colorado road trip probably seven times throughout the years, and Colorado trip I love it. It's a little wild for me now, <laughs> and um, being in Vermont, there's not a lot of people. I don't have really a lot of friends. I'm a very social person. I have a lot of friends in San Diego and Austin, and I don't really have a lot of friends out in Vermont because there's nothing to do besides skiing. It's hard to meet people, so I started New England Bladen Camp um, four years ago, when, or when I first moved here. To as a way to get people to come to San Diego, I mean to Vermont, to, so I would have people to hang out with. So, um, <laughs> but there's a lot of skate parks here. You know, Vermont's got probably 60, 70 skate parks in a state that has seven hundred thousand people. So there's not what? one city in America with that population that has that many skate parks. I mean, my town, I live in a town. It's called Lindenville, Vermont. It's forty five minutes south of the Canadian border of Quebec, and has six six thousand people. We have two skate parks. One's concrete. One's prefab at the college. The the concrete parks at the Volunteer um, run Ski Hill. That's been around since 1937. And I'm on the board of directors of that Ski Hill. I volunteer. I do their social media. That's another thing that takes up my time, uh, especially when ski season comes around, because I do all their postings on the website and Facebook and social media. And anyway, they have a skate park there. And that's so this event I do. It's five days and four nights in Vermont. And we camp two nights at Miles' house and two nights at my house. And we visit skate parks all around um, Vermont. And it's a lot of fun. And we do end up every, – every day ends with swimming holes and really cool swimming spots. It's very scenic. And it's it's not wild like, you know, some other road trips. It's just like super mellow, you know. It's like family-friendly um, vacation. So I'd like to see you guys up here sometime. You haven't made it yet. I know I miss it every year. I work on the weekends. That's my problem. It's different. It's different every year, but the past two years it's been the weekend before Bashi Pope. That's a nice time. I love. I did it around Bashi Pope because I was hoping to get some of those Europeans that like to stay early, like to come up there, but it didn't really work out that way. So I'm going to start making it earlier in the summer when it gets dark later. So like to maximize daylight. Yeah, that makes that sense. sounds awesome. Yeah, it's really know. nice up there in the uh, summer. New England in the summer is really nice. Charles yeah. River, oh, it's amazing. It's if, incredible. If anybody was coming from Europe to the Bashi thing, the, the New England blading camp is a completely different experience. I can tell you oh, that yeah. right, right. Totally. <laughs> completely different experience. So that's a good way to come to uh, the states and have uh, a completely different, you know, New York City experience with the Bashi Pope contest, and then a way more chill, I'm sure. Um, oh, super events. chill. Yeah. I would imagine. So the first year we had a lot of Europeans, like Freddie White was there. We had a lot of guys from Montreal. Montreal's got Montreal's two hours from me, and there's a lot of 
skaters from France that live there, and it really helped rejuvenate the Montreal scene. The Montreal scene is very strong. There's a lot of skaters. They have a brand new skate shop there. Um, they have sessions all the time, competitions. And I've unfortunately haven't been able to go in the past few years because the border's been closed. But they've got a couple of skate parks. They've built tons of new concrete parks up there since you know COVID. And I'm looking forward to going back. You can cross the border now, but you have to have a negative COVID test, which is not an issue, except I tried to go and I didn't get my test back in time to actually cross the border because they only give you a four-day window. So for crossing the border for just like, you know, the day, it's kind of a pain in the ass, but probably spend like a couple days up in Montreal sometime before the snow falls. I missed you last time in Montreal. I know that was that was ridiculous. That was, I can't believe I never saw you. We were there the whole weekend skating with the same people and missed each other. That's oh, insane. We'll, we'll make up for it. Don't worry. Yeah. But Jan, we've been going for almost two hours already. The chat has been popping off. People love you. There's a ton of super chats. There's a ton of questions. Um, do you want to? Are you ready to get into these questions? Yeah. And all support. Yeah. So everybody, uh, submit your questions now if you have any for Jan. Um, super chats, as we say in every episode, half the super chats go to our guest. So, and we appreciate those very much. We have a ton already. So I'm just scrolling up to get through some of these to shout out our super chatters. And also we prioritize the super chat questions. So, of course, off the bat, Chad Hornish, which was on Then and Now podcast recently. That's so right. Check that episode out. Third person. Thank you, Chad Hornish. Check that out. Um, Andre Howard, Super Chat says, I'm stoked for Mesmer. I guess this was at the top of the show in the beginning when we did the intro. Uh, we have <laughs> 30 M's up. Uh, Grivo, who says, much love to the Shaolin boys and the culture. Okay, that's us, but that's supposed to be Jan here. <laughs> okay. Smiley Juggles says, remember that time you were in Denver filming and we basically got muscled away from the ledge spot because a scooter street contest showed up i do that was the most crazy thing i've ever seen it was like we had a big group like 25 bladers sessioning a school and we set up all sorts of stuff like doors you know against this roof to gap into and all of a sudden like 212 year olds on scooters come around the corner and take over everything we're skating and like basically mm-hmm. like strong armors out of it and they were having like a real street contest in Denver. And I've never had a group that big like of us having that many skaters being like pushed out of a spot by any any sport. And it was actually the most scooter kids I've ever seen in my life. 1,200? Um, but yeah. Yeah. I bet like 200. I bet um, in like 2000 to 2004 in San Diego when there were some uh, beefs at the skate parks and uh, the concrete parks in San Diego, you would have never envisioned that to be a situation in the future. No. Am I right? No, no, and I actually <laughs> met Smiley. That? I met Smiley in San Diego at Bar Pink. He was there visiting. That's where I met Smiley. him for the first time. Who's that? The guy who just asked the question from from oh, okay. uh, Colorado. His name's Smiley. <laughs> oh, nice. Yeah, his real name. That's yeah, his Smiley. Well, he's all smiling, so that's why. That's a that's nickname. good. That's good. <laughs> he's a happy, positive guy. He's really nice. I like. Him. We need more people like that in the world. That's right. We got super Japan. Jonathan Soto, I like how it it puts an emoji, but it says pair character cheerfully, uh, cheerfully blowing a party horn. Uh, thank you for the super chat. Uh, Mere Mortal says uh, and the same thing, lemon character running and then kneeling on the floor. Okay. 
<laughs> no, it's, just read the whole thing out. Yeah. Lemon character running the kneeling on the floor. Well, his okay, arms huh? wide open. Okay, please. <laughs> lemon character running the kneeling on the floor. His arms wide open and a slice of lemon appearing behind him. I want to mm-hmm. find that emoji. Seventeen <laughs> um, BKS has a question. Uh, memories from filming Ian Fernet. Is that how you say his last name? Fernet. Jan. Jan Fernet. Yes. Yeah, it's Jan. It's Jan Fernet. Jan Fernet. Okay. It sounds like me. But it's French, so it's pronounced Leon. Gotcha. Uh, yeah, I filmed with Leon in um, in Montreal, and um, possibly in San Diego. I, the first time I filmed with him in Montreal was when I was there uh, for the uh, detour. Chris Edwards' detour was in Montreal. It was he was there with a bunch of Australians: Ian Brown, Justin Buchanan, um, I forgot who else, a few other Australians, and um, I met Jan there and Nikki Adams and I filmed with them and Jan had a f- section in um in Urban Decay I think that video I talked about so I actually met him before that I was I don't remember when I met him but he was in some videos I made in the 90s and then I met him and skated with him filmed with him in Montreal twice on two occasions I went up there and filmed with him but it was around 2001 because when I went back to Montreal recently it's changed like I mean, the first one went back after moving here. I couldn't even recognize it. You know, it's grown so much. But yeah, Jan Fernet was really cool skater. Very good. Good style back then. Uh, 17 BKS, the second part to it, the question. It says, chances of Elliot getting back on the blades. God bless. There's no chance of Elliot getting back on the blades. Um, you know, he got back on the blades. I mean, he got back on the blades a couple times, you know, earlier on and and got injured. Um I mean, it's been, it's last time we skated, it's been what, 16 years. Um, I mean, maybe, maybe he'll show up on some big wheel blades. Who knows? But uh, I know Ronnie Bautista is still in touch with him. And he did say that John had mentioned about possibly skating again. But I don't know if that would actually happen. Um, mm-hmm. I haven't talked to John in a couple of years, so I'm not sure. But if he hasn't done it now, there's a chance that he might not. Yeah, if, if COVID didn't bring him knee problems, you know he's got. Yeah. I, I know he's got all kind of knee problems. And yeah, stuff, I mean, so. he, see, in that one in the lenient blind is one of the times he came back, and he, if you remember, his knee went through the, the wooden fence. Like there's a clip of him eating yeah. shit, and he, like he went to, he was going to jump over curb, over wooden fence, and then bonk a fire hydrant, and then go to the street, and it's at the parking lot of San Diego Zoo, and last minute he just like didn't jump. And he went straight through like a thick wood with his knee, and that was probably the last time he ever skated. You know, because he definitely jacked yeah. up his knee there. Oof. Um, and also, Montgomery Monsters asked me who my favorite skater is, and I don't have one skater per se that's my favorite. I think Chad Hornish is a pretty neat rollerblader. Um, but exactly. yeah, no, I love Chad. But my favorite skaters are. You know, I mean, pretty much anyone we had on Rattail is a favorite skater. Um, everybody on Mesmer is a favorite skater. I have favorite skaters. I can't pick one. I have a favorite style of skater. So I think the, you know, the style of skater of people you've seen in my videos are my favorite. I mean, there's some people I never had a chance to film with, obviously, that I've always loved skating, but I can't pick one person. Maybe, like, I could give you a list of 20 if I thought about it. Oh, a list of 20. That's, that's an episode on its own. <laughs> that is. YouTube show. 
That's it could be a then episode. and now episode. Exactly. Yeah, I might have to do that. My top 20 Thanks favorite skaters. Thanks for guys. <laughs> uh, super chat from Jeff Metz, who says, I remember a rumor that the second 4x4 video was going to be called Actions because actions speak louder than words. Any truth to that rumor? That's the first time I've heard that rumor, so I'm going to say no truth to that rumor. Oh. Interesting. I wonder where that came from. I have no idea. I mean... Shit, maybe I got left out a rumor mill back then, but <laughs> I've never heard that before. So I can tell you, I've never heard that rumor before. And I was, you know, involved in that era. So that was a good question, Jeff. Um, yeah, that was a good one. Jay O'Neill says, Jan, big fan of Cousin Jay. Cousin Jay, big fan of your YouTube channel. Thanks for taking the time to document blading history. Gotta know, at any point in time, instead of the vault, did you consider the name Welch Tape Juice? <laughs> <laughs> no, but. That's a good one. <laughs> and that's almost like I do another YouTube channel called Vermonting. I don't know if you guys have seen it. It's my I've never seen that. channel for uh, the work I'm doing on our property. And when I asked ideas for names, one of them was Yomberjack. And I thought that was pretty <laughs> funny. That's a good one. <laughs> but yeah, so and that falls in line with that. Um, so that's a good suggestion. That could maybe be a new show I can work on. A segment. Something yeah. like that. Branch off. Thank you. Thank you. You got a lot of ideas from this. Yeah, totally. <laughs> We're all brainstorming here, everybody. Uh, Shaw Mackelson says, thanks for everything you've done and continue doing for Blading, brother. Much love. P.S. Quit deleting everyone's comments. Is that for this? We're not deleting anybody's comments. I will say, though. Uh, I, I, know, I know what he's – I think he's referring to on the Rollbutting, Rollbutting uh, Facebook group. It's overrun with spam, and there's some new uh, Facebook filters they made for admin assist, and I turned those on. And for three days, it just like deleted everyone's post that was trying to post something. Does so, do it automatically? Because uh, I get notifications. Yeah, it for did that automatically. Too. It basically was to prevent spam, and it caught like seventy-five percent spam, but it also caught like twenty-five percent blading content. Oh shit! And I didn't realize it was doing that until some there were some angry people, and I went ahead and fixed it and apologized. So okay, you so got deleted go. on roll bling, roll bling. My bad. Yeah, I wouldn't do that on purpose, guys. Come on. No, like on it was for the, it, good intentions. <laughs> Alex O'Brien says, Jan, thank you for all your great work. Much love from the Midwest. Alex O'Brien, thank you so much for letting me stay at your house. When I moved to Vermont, I stayed with him in Omaha, and he was a great um, host, and he took me to all the legendary Omaha spots, like the long rail that, oh. you know, the long uh, one. And some Dave Kolesh rail. Yeah, the Dave Kolesh rail, and some of those old like spots from the videos in Omaha, and it really cool. So... Alex, I appreciate that. Thank you for the super chat, Alex. We have another one from your favorite skater, Chad Hornish. <laughs> Do you know what happened to Casey McFarlane? Why is he asking you that? Well, it's funny he's asking me that because I asked him that in the interview I did with him. <laughs> so, he's being stupid. Um, I'm gonna bounce it back to no, I don't, I don't, I'm not sure what happened to Casey McFarland. Um, I'm assuming he has a family and a job and. Doing real estate, I don't know, but he was a really good skater, and he was. It was, I, I you know, I was talking to Chad when his interview, having so early on in Nim, having two people, two kids from Phoenix riding for Nim, you know, at the same time, I thought was pretty impressive, you know. Yeah. Yeah, Casey McFarland was incredible. He stayed with me in New York for a while. Oh yeah, yeah I forgot about that. Forgot his about section, that. his section, um, in Nim video was really good. 
he was a killer yeah he's uh yeah that's some of those you know some of those skaters you're just like like what happened to him you know mm -hmm. people just fall off yeah fall out i remember he had i mean i'm sure chad probably mentioned i remember he was working he was busy with work for the cubs or something like that and during baseball season he was just like non-stop working 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 so that's why he stopped skating but who knows what the hell happened that was like 10 years ago uh, we have one last super chat so far from Kevin Dugard, who says, "Can you share your favorite funny slash embarrassing story during tour?" Well, let me see. I have to think about that. Um, I mean, there's a few stories. I think one story that was kind of funny to me is that first time I went to New York City, um, and we were at Hunter um, at Ron Hunter's house and Harold Hunter's place in Alphabet City back when Alphabet City wasn't quite as gentrified as it is today. Absolutely uh, right. It was pretty sketchy, and it was like, you know, from what I remember being told, if you had, like, a skateboard or roll blades, like, no one would really mess with you. And if you didn't, you were, like, fair game. Um, and Mike O'Brien from, I believe it was from Connecticut, mm -hmm. was there. Uh, no one, I guess they didn't want to let him back into the apartment as a joke, and he was wearing all red, like, red hat, red shirt. That's right. He was, like, calling people. Like, let me in, let me in. And, like, nobody would let him in. So that was kind of, like, I mean, funny, yeah, but also, like, potentially dangerous. <laughs> um, I think the, uh, you know, the Razor's Blitz Tour had a lot of ridiculous stuff happen on it. Um, I remember we went to, there was a skate park in Pittsburgh, um, 915 skate park, I believe. One of the Razor's Am skaters at that point had a dynamite in his car and... We had just gotten a lot of fireworks, and we had some firework battles in this this razors razors had rented an RV. It was like a thirty foot RV or twenty five foot, whatever. But this tour was brand new, and I mean, it got ravaged on this trip. Firework fights inside of it. People making you know Charles Dunkel making all sorts of bombs, and this guy had this fireworks, these this dynamite. And he set it off next to the skate park. Not I'm not next to it, but it was fairly close, and just the whole building was like corrugated metal was just like rippling. You just hear it like, that <laughs> was pretty gnarly. Those are um, wild, wild years. Yeah, you know, and I mean, I don't know if stuff's funny. I think it's just more like looking back, it's like sad, you know, like silly young kids stuff, you know. Um, but I'm sure there's some funny ones too. I just can't think of it. <laughs> All right, well, I think that's it for the Super Chats. Yeah, so far. We have some uh, regular questions here, and we will take a few of them. Um, Matthew Rice has a question uh, about something not regarding this podcast about Mesmer. Can't answer that. I'm sorry. <laughs> we'll do a separate uh, just, episode on that later. Adjust that stuff later. Um, Montgomery Monster says, Jan, who's your favorite blader? You answered that. Mm-hmm. Mr. Plastic Robot, otherwise known as Larry Fagan Lurch, asks, how can I grow a beard like Jan's? <laughs> Any advice? Um, genetics. I've had this beard since I was like 17. So <laughs> Since you were 17. It's uh, all like, I mean, that's all I got for you. It's all just right. naturally fluffy. <laughs> Shout out Larry fluffy. Lurch Fagan. Fluffy. Uh, the Come Down, Heath says want to get a latte starbucks miss you so yeah you know lattes um i used to really love lattes a lot that was my drink my tour drink and frank stoner 
good friend of mine. He is also a latte fan. In fact, if you're ever on Colorado road trip, you can find Frank Stoner. He has a generator with a espresso machine, and he'll make you lattes with half and half. So full mm-hmm. half and half latte is very fattening. Um, but yeah, so you know, latte. That's like we say latte. That's like our thing in the Texas crew when traveling. Colorado road trips are getting posh these days with lattes. Yeah. <laughs> All right, we um, the, there's another question from Matt Rice. He said, "What was your role in Nim? Why did it die?" But I think we addressed that earlier in the episode. What your role in what Nim was, and how it died. I I I think it was believed between John and and Shima, if I'm not mistaken. I don't know. Do you want to answer that? Um, you know, Nim. It was just a point where there was no money left and, you know, blading and everyone had to do their own thing. Um, and we didn't have enough money to order anything. That's what happened. There was just no more money. Couldn't order new skates. Had skates that wouldn't sell. Uh, and everybody went their ways, you know. Um, and that wouldn't happen today, I don't think, you know. But mm-hmm. back then, you know, you, there was a lot of money invested in 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 those brands. And I think the, the biggest problem back then was, you know, started NIM without when we were already in debt with Vicious of 4x4. So the debt of Vicious of 4x4 should probably have been like resolved before starting NIM. So mm-hmm. basically it just happened to, it compounded and there's just no money to do anything anymore. Mm. Makes sense. Yeah. Money, a lot, lot of the, yeah, a lot of the companies from back in in, the, in that time have a similar story and, a lot of like really great ideas and great companies, but just like bad timing. It seemed like at that time, but um, yeah, yeah I think you know another part of it is too like we're all coming in from skaters, and none of us know how to run a company properly, right? Like, had there been a, you know, had all the brands back then actually had like a you know like a real like office manager. Or, Everyone you know, was so young just, like, too. You know, yeah, and it's like nobody nobody's in school. I mean, I you know we're our twenties, you know, early twenties. That's twenty yeah, early twenties. Kids. But, you know, that's one thing I always admired, actually, speaking of education and stuff like that, is um, the brands out of Europe in the 2000s were all made so well. Like, you look at um, Jochen Schmuda's brand. I forgot the Yukon? name. Yukon. Yukon. And, Yukon you know, just all these brands, like, you know, um, autism and, and all these brands, like, and even the videos, because, you know, there people go to, to – you know, university's free, so that all these guys are going to school for art and design and filmmaking and stuff. And and so in the two thousands, like they they stepped up the game of like brands and videos. You know, you could see it was like they knew what they were doing. You know, they knew how to run the companies and stuff because they just came out of it um, just because their system's different there. You know, mm-hmm. um, I always thought that was pretty cool. Um, UConn was an awesome brand. Yeah, I mean it's still around, but Is it? it's definitely actually I don't know if you guys know. Uh, Jochen is on Big Wheel Blades now, and he skated the Berlin Marathon with Felix Sturkowski, formerly of BMAG fame, this past month. Oh, yeah, Felix. Month. So, yeah, he's him and him and uh, Felix got into Big Wheel Blades, and he's getting all those guys on Big Wheel Blades doing distance skating around Berlin. Nice. That's sick. Um. All right. Oh, God. You got some funny questions uh, here. But, you know, we'll just take one more. Um, and I'm going to pick this one because it's fun. Elijah Jennett asks, what is your favorite time with Stockwell? Oof. Let me see. 
favorite time with Stockwell? Well, I live with Stockwell, you know, for two years or something. So I'm sure we had a lot of fun times. We also had a lot of, you know, conflict times too. <laughs> but um, I don't know. I like, you know, traveling with Stockwell was always fun. You know, doing tours. We did a lot of, I mean, we filmed a lot. I filmed with him a lot. Um, I, he was just fun to be around, you know, being around, just driving around and skating. Um, I don't know if I have any favorite moments. I think there was a lot of favorite moments with Jeff. I actually saw Jeff when I was in Austin. He came out. Uh, he was doing a photo shoot with BK, and we met up. And um, and I think Drew Backrack was in town, too, separately. But it was nice to catch up with Jeff then. You know, Jeff is a very cool guy, and it's great to see him with his photography. And he's still skating and doing those Sunday brunch sessions out there with you guys. Like, um, But, yeah, I like Jeff. Miss him. And we had lots of great moments and a, a few conflicts here and there, but you know, the great uh, moments overshadowed us. <laughs> I'm a friend of Jeff's. So I know <laughs> great guy. But, and you know. somebody asked if I voted for Trump twice, never voted for Trump. Sorry guys. <laughs> twice. Sorry to disappoint. <laughs> I didn't I, I don't want to have to mention that one just in case. I don't want to bring the controversy <laughs> to it. The skate podcast guys, skate podcast. But, um, I just want to thank everyone for their questions. Um, I want to thank you again for coming on the show. Do you have any parting, imparting words of wisdom? Um, any, you know, shout outs, things that people should follow then and now blading? Um, yeah, well, you know, um, you know, bigworldblading.com is the website. There's lots of information on there. I have uh, a really, really big shop list of every shop in the world on bigworldblading.com. So if you're interested in that, also skate instructors. And then just lots of content, aggressive, speed, all everything, distance. Um, and then the new project, like we just discussed, is Then and Now Blading. It's a YouTube channel. I have interviews. I have archives, old video stuff. Somebody just asked if Gonzo has, if I have Gonzo footage. I do have tapes of Gonzo. Um, and I'm doing lots of different shows for that. So it's it's Jan, it's YouTube.com slash Jan Welch. So Jan Welch on YouTube. And it's called Then and Now Blading. And you can find it on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. And there's a Patreon page as well. And podcasts on all podcast streaming services and i just shout out i'll shout out to all of my austin homies growing up jason howard frank stoner uh jared mcbay uh lonnie gagos shannon rogers uh bobby padrone jay gernick and then um you know all the texas family and all my friends in san diego uh there's a lot of people but you know everyone i've met everyone i've been friends with i love you all and um parting words uh you know if you love, I'm most of everybody in here loves skating. And if you want to do anything to support skating, like there's a lot of ways to do it. And if anybody has any questions about doing anything, hit me up. I'm more than happy to try to help you do whatever you want to do in the sport. Awesome. John, look at you're that. the man. You are the man. Yeah. That, was, that was a good way to end it too. I love that. Yeah. And I just want to, again, say thanks. Um, Thanks for everything you've done for skating. Thanks for coming on this podcast. Thanks for being you. I would love to catch up sometime soon. I hope to see you again soon. Um, maybe Austin and I could make it out to the New England Blade Camp thing and mm -hmm. have a good, healthy, good family friend time with you. That'd be yeah, nice. For sure. If you guys want to do any winter sports, you're more than welcome to stay at my house anytime during the winter. Winter sports. Huh. <laughs> <laughs> I like to I stay like warm. Snowboarding. I like to stay warm. I like to snowboard. Um, but yeah, I appreciate it. I appreciate you guys. You, you guys have me on the show. It's uh, really cool uh, to see everybody in the chat. 
thank you all for watching. Hell yeah, Jan. You're the man. Thank you so much, everybody. Thank you for watching and tuning in. Jan, we love what you're doing now. Keep it up. Uh, people like you help keep the sport alive. So let's keep it going, everybody. And um, yeah, we'll see you guys in the next episode. Peace. Bye-bye, everybody. Take care. Thanks so much. You're welcome, guys.